Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember... I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not afraid! Arizona. Oh, we're back. But now we're going to Mexico. We're talking to Jeff Berwick and Danny Sessom is going to try and, you know, uh, come on. He's on a little bit, but he's got really bad connection, uh, you know, there in Acapulco. Now, what's going on is Hurricane Otis Recovery. We're going to be promoting that. There's, we're going to tell you all about it, what happened. Hurricane Otis, O-T-I-S, Recovery Dot com. Now, you'll see some GoFundMe uh, opportunities there, and Jeff Berwick and the crowd at Narcopoco has a lot of relationships with the people down there know the real people, the people on the beach people, the people that live there people, the people whose houses and structures got wiped away and businesses and so on, and they know who to give what to and not like the government. You know, it's going to get directly to what needs to be done. Now, Danny Sessom is down there, and he's in the middle and the thick of it and help coordinate enough because Danny does this when there's hurricanes. Here in the U.S., Mexico, earthquakes, right? this is what he does. Now, there's an orphanage down there called the Marsh Orphanage. Now, we have visited there several times. Danny's really tight with the kids there and so on, and we'll find out what happened to them and what they need and how's it going. But tell us the story, Jeff, will you please? Yeah, thank you, Ernie, for having me on. Um yeah, I, sh- I guess I should start right from the very beginning because still, right, as of this day, most people don't even know this happened. Uh, I-, I think with everything going on in uh, Gaza and uh, Palestine, uh, that most people are focused on that, and rightfully so. That is the most heinous thing I've ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, but because of that, uh, and because the media almost did no coverage whatsoever of it, hardly anyone even knows that there was one of the most dramatic, massive weather weapon attacks done on Acapulco uh, on Tuesday evening of last week. So uh, to start with, uh, it was like Tuesday around 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, that uh, I just kind of got wind somehow. It just popped up on my screen that there might be an, a hurricane headed towards Acapulco. And I was a little surprised because I keep my eye on those things, and I hadn't seen anything earlier uh, before that. Well, who said and, something to you? How had you know that? I, I, it, it was just on like Twitter or something. I, I saw someone say there's a hurricane headed towards Acapulco. Really? 
And because I, I have a house, or had a house there, I still do, uh, but it's it's a pretty banged up right now, and a boat, which I don't have anymore, uh, that I, I keep my eye on it, and I know a lot of people in Acapulco, so I, I just generally watch the, the hurricane season. And there was nothing before that, and I was a little surprised. I was like, that's weird. I didn't even know there was a tropical storm or anything. And so I start looking into it, and this is around Tuesday at 6 in the evening, uh, and all of a sudden, it starts ramping up, and it, it looks like it's headed towards like a Category 4 within a couple of hours. And so I go on to all these sort of meteorological-type things, storm trackers and stuff like that, all these guys who really track this stuff. And all I see is everyone freaking out, saying, how did we miss a Cat 5? Like, we didn't even, it wasn't there. We didn't have anything in our models, and all of a sudden, it's there right now. Uh, and everyone was freaking out. And even since then, a number of people at MIT and the University of Miami have come out. And these are the people who track hurricanes. And that's all they do have said that uh, this, uh, for some reason, didn't their models didn't even pick it up. And one of them said, even said it was like there was some sort of a secret and uh, a mystery ingredient, he called it, in the hurricane. So I'll get into that in a bit. But. Um, so I see it's ramping up to like, it looks like it's almost at a category four at about eight or 9 PM Tuesday. So, and no, no one's talking about it. Uh, like as far as I could tell, I was pretty much the, one of the only people in the world who knew about it. <laughs> uh, uh, only a couple of these storm trackers started to pick it up, but there was nothing being written. There was nothing on Twitter, nothing, no one knew anything, nothing on the news, of course, anything like that. And so I start going to all of our groups, and we have a number of groups in Acapulco, uh, for Narcapoco, we have for my wife's family, all these groups. I go in and I say that, um, guys, there's a Cat 4 right now. It looks like it's going to be a Cat 5, and it looks like it's going to hit Acapulco by the morning on Wednesday. And almost every single person brushed it off. Uh, almost everyone that was in Acapulco said, Jeff, it's fine here right now. It's a little gray uh, there's no wind. Um, no one said there's a hurricane coming. Jeff, you're always, you know, you're always saying all these extreme things. Uh, I was saying, I actually wrote in our newsletter this week that uh, I feel like the boy who cried wolf, except for I'm the boy who 100% knows a wolf is coming and no one ever listens to me. <laughs> um, and actually only one person listened to me and it was actually his wife. So I told him, because he he's my neighbor in Acapulco. He's actually my financial guy, my CFO for my company. And I said, there's like a Cat 4. It looks like it could be a Cat 5 hit by morning in Acapulco. And uh, his first reaction was, well, it's fine right now. And then he said, uh, well, you know, I like hurricanes. And I said to him, a hurricane category one is kind of fun. Uh, it's, you know, a big show. Uh, this my, with your house, and I knew their house was, was not like the kind that will withstand a Category Five hurricane. It will be wiped out, and they had two small children. Luckily, his wife list overheard it. I started talking to her, and I convinced her that for their safety, they had to leave immediately. Uh, and then they started saying, "Well, we don't have a car." So I actually had people from my house drive over to their house and give them my car, and and they got out. So they're the only people of all the people that I or my wife told, and we told everyone we knew uh, that there was a, a massive hurricane coming. And uh, just like with most things, I did no one listened, and um, 
So then it's like getting close to midnight, and I thought the storm was going to hit by morning. So I thought, well, I've told everyone I can. Everyone's asleep now. No one's even responding. Uh, most, almost every single person in Acapulco, just so you know, went to sleep that night, not knowing there was even a tropical storm, much less a hurricane. Uh, and the, the tracker guys who were tracking in real time uh, that evening said, it looks like it's going to hit around five or six in the morning. So I ended up going to sleep. I'm like, well, there's no point in me staying up all night and just sitting here and waiting. I might as well go to sleep. I've told everyone. Uh, and I'll get up in the morning and we'll, we'll hope it doesn't hit Acapulco because it, it, we weren't sure exactly where it was going to hit at that time. And um, so I wake up at around six, five in the morning and there's no one online in Acapulco whatsoever. And we then find out that the storm actually hit just after midnight. So it popped up out of nowhere, turned into a Category 5, headed straight for Acapulco, and demolished Acapulco and disappeared completely. And there was no rain in the hurricane. Uh, so this is not a normal natural hurricane. Uh, it, it was more like a giant tornado. Uh, it was definitely, from everything, I haven't even gotten into all the details, but once you hear all the details... It is definitely 100% a weather weapon, and it's for reasons that um, the Mexican government had not been going along with the New World Order agenda. Uh, they have not been going on with, uh, along with GMOs and uh, with uh, chemtrails and with um, the COVID. They didn't do any laws for COVID. Uh, when they did the Russia-Ukraine thing, they didn't sanction Russia like they wanted them to. Um, and so all of these things, they've been attacking Mexico. It actually started earlier this year. It started in February when three separate uh, Mexico Pemex oil facilities all blew up all at the same time. So that, that yeah. was the first warning to Mexico. And um, then uh, before this all happened, there was a hurricane category four that not many people know about. They haven't been publicizing them that hit directly. There's only three major there's a couple more, but there's the three major uh, cities on the west coast of Mexico are Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, and Acapulco. So, and these storms are, are uh, labeled alphabetically. So, uh, the first one was Hurricane Lydia with an L, hit Puerto Vallarta dead on. And the, the chances of these things hitting all these cities dead on is like one in a trillion. Because they could hit 100 miles either side and the damage would be... 95% less than it was, but they all hit dead on these cities. So Hurricane Lydia was a Category 4 and hit dead on in Puerto Vallarta. Then the next one was Hurricane Max, Max Egan possibly. Who knows how far ahead these, they planned these things. That hit Acapulco, but it was a smaller one. But Max actually couldn't do videos all that week about Palestine. He's one of the biggest Palestine guys. Uh, then the next one was uh, Nadia, I believe it was called. It hit directly on... Cabo. It was a Category 4, uh, but uh, it actually went down to about a Category 1 just as it was hitting. So that one wasn't quite as damaging, but it still hit directly on Cabo. And then this one is called Hurricane Otis, and it hit directly on Acapulco. And uh, not just directly, by the way. Max Egan, who somehow wasn't there at the time, and neither was I. We get sort of uh, intuition about these things, and I can even get into that if you want. But 
Um, he did the tracking of it the, uh, a few days later once we had all the data. The first point of landfall was at Max Egan's house in Bonfield. <laughs> and right behind Max's house is the secret garden where an Acapulco is held, where you just emceed last year. That was the direct point of contact of a Category 5 that is unlike any storm we've ever seen in history. No rain whatsoever, came out of nowhere. Uh, some of the gusts, some people said, I haven't been able to verify this, as high as 300 miles per hour. I've seen some videos that of webcams that before they, they cut out that are things I've never seen with a hurricane before. I actually don't know how anyone survived it at all. Uh, somehow there's not that many deaths. We still don't know. We're still getting information. But we haven't personally, we've been there all week working. Danny's been incredible working there all week. We've been raising funds and helping oh, out. It's definitely a Danny thing, man. He's all over this kind of crap. I have to say, uh, I don't know how he does it. Uh, he was there. This happened on Tuesday night. He was there before Wednesday night from Texas. Uh, he was on the ground. And all week I'm hearing um, people go, uh, did you hear about these people in this part of Acapulco? And they're like, yeah, Danny was just there. He was just helping them out. And this has happened all over Acapulco all week. I, like he is, he's getting some sort of a medal from me or from someone after this. Absolutely. Uh, he, he has been unbelievable. And he's still ongoing. He's trying to come in on this show, but there's not much signal in Acapulco. So uh, the, the biggest problem at first was, so I wake up Wednesday morning. And uh, there's no one online in Acapulco. And so we sent our people down. Danny was already on his way down because that's what Danny does. And um, my people arrive on Wednesday evening in Acapulco, but there's no signal, no power, and all the, the roads were all cut off from trees falling and all that kind of stuff. So it took them a while to get in. And then they had to get out by Thursday morning to get outside of Acapulco to get an internet signal to tell me what was going on. So that was the first time... I actually heard anything about what had happened was Thursday morning. So more than 24 hours later. And um, when we heard the news on Thursday morning, uh, we heard it's completely devastated. Uh, it's beyond belief how bad it is. Uh, we immediately, I'm lucky that we have a incredible team at both an Archipoco and the Dollar Vigilante with all kinds of people who are incredibly capable. Within two hours, we had a website up at hurricaneotisrecovery.com. We had a GoFundMe set up. We had all the crypto addresses set up. I did an emergency video within an hour or so of that. Uh, we raised about, well, to date, it's over $350,000. And I want to thank everyone who's donated. It's been uh, so valuable. It's helped out so many people already. You know, and Jeff, we'll right now we're showing Danny. We have a video up on the archive of Danny with the, you know, the Anarchapoco Anarchist A logo on the white van as they're dishing out, you know, the stuff to people. Now, you know, when you did, when we started uh, promoting this and uh, the money started coming, you did a nice video. You know, Jeff, you're, you're kind of a hero on this, too. I mean, we're going to, you know, you get a little plaque, you know, but the <laughs> but when you were warning people, we just got... Uh, comment on the D live stream from Kat. Um, she said that she, once you made sure everybody knew and she knew she was telling everybody too. you only, yeah, you only know, yeah, when I say, I'm sorry. When I ahead. say that I told everyone, I mean, like I told people like Kat and I said, tell everyone and she did. And as far as I know, no one listened to us. I know it's, it's uh, well, you know, it's not like you got a, a bad track record on this stuff, you know? So I, this is and and there's and while we're at it, let everybody know 
you know, there's a big, giant, worldwide financial hurricane coming, FYI, okay? So get, I'm like in a race. I got to get out in the desert on. We're out here now building, doing, getting ready for, here it comes. So whatever you're seeing going on here is going to be a worldwide economic thing, just say it. Uh, you know, just as an aside, right now we have this opportunity on a 1 to 10, what are you thinking about that comment? I mean, you know, where do you think we're at? On financial? Yeah, no, I mean a worldwide hurricane a comment. I mean, now's your chance oh, yeah, to warn no, them. We're in it right now. Uh, people don't even realize it again. <laughs> um, but I'm not even that concerned about that because what it looks like is we're headed towards World War III uh, at the moment. And uh, this is going to be what's happening in Acapulco, what's happening in Gaza is going to happen similarly all across the world very soon. Uh, in many ways. And then there's the financial anyway. side of it. That's all going to collapse as well. Uh, this is stuff we've been talking about for the last few years, and now it's all happening. Well, this is a, 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 I'm glad we got to be able to make that link because this is part of, if you have, there's a weather weapon or there was an intent or there was, you know, they, them, those, because they can, kind of, you know, everybody, Ernie, do you think they would do this? They would do, I don't know. Can they? Well, if they can, they freaking are. Because they sure as hell want to, and this is a perfect example of that. Because in Arcapulco, you already have Mexico kind of, eh. I remember going down there. We drove to um, San Diego, go across the Sky Bridge to Tijuana Airport for us to walk across so that we didn't have to go through a bunch of testing and shots and all this other crap. You know, we're doing that. Oh, Danny's trying to come in, so we'll give him a shot. But the... Um, uh, as we did this, Mexico, eh, they're like, yeah, because we have to, and they're making us. You can fill this out. We don't really care, and we throw it away. I mean, they actually said that. As you're reading it, they're just like, we're complying as little as we can because we don't care. And I'm going, you know, that's a cool attitude to have. But the people were kind of masked up, except those associated with the Narcopoco. They were a lot, you know, different mindset. So the thing is, is that, I can see that the world wanting compliance from all these different countries. Mexico is not as enthusiastically jumping on board. When you have a Narcopoco and the event that you're doing and it's building there and helping the people on the ground and relationships with the people like what Danny does, then what happens? All of a sudden, you know, we got to make an example. We got to get these guys on the right track. We got to, we got to, we got to. So whenever they do that, and then we take care of our own. We donate, we help, we send, we do, and Danny on the front lines. You know, that is just another example of we don't need you while they're not doing anything anyway. Danny, can you hear us? Yeah, we can hear you now. I'm on Jason's phone. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, oh, you got Jason down there with you. All right, that's cool. Um uh, yeah. Jeff, go ahead and finish up uh, what you want to say, and we'll, or you can ask right now. You know, go ahead and ask Danny uh, questions that you want to know and people that you know what's up, and we'll just hear from the response from that. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, we've been in contact with Danny all week, of course, so I don't really need to ask him anything, but I'll just sort of finish up by saying that um, so when we got in there, we were the only people for the first four full days, and maybe Danny can uh, correct me if I'm, I'm slightly wrong, but as far as I know, the only real people doing any concerted real effort to bring in supplies, because every single thing was wiped out, and Danny can fill us in on that, but people have no food, no water, many people have no houses, 
Uh, and there was no outside help that I know of for the first at least four days. There now appears to be Red Cross coming in. As far as I know, the government still really hasn't done much. So we've been mostly the only people doing most of the things to help out Acapulco so far. And it's still a very, very dire situation. So let's hear from Danny uh, what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So when we, we arrived, I guess the, the day the day after uh, we pulled in from the north, coming down from Tihuatanejo, uh, we came through Pai de la Cuesta, which is uh, kind of a, an outskirt of, of Acapulco, and it was just destroyed. I, I mean, the, the flooding was really bad over there. There was holes in the road. People were standing in line for food that was just uh, basically from one of the, what is it, Aroro Bodego, one of the grocery stores, was just giving out the rest of what was not damaged from their store. And it, it, it was utter chaos. It took us almost a full day just to cross Acapulco to get to the Bonfil side. Uh, we, we broke down in one of the worst areas of Acapulco and we had to take our motorcycles out of the van to continue on over to, to, uh, Bonfil. And we fully expected that the van was just going to be destroyed and all, you know, the solar ripped out and, and just robbed. But, they didn't touch a thing. They didn't mess with us at all. People kept an eye on the van for us. It, you know, when we were coming, Jason, Jason stated to me something about, Oh man, it's going to be chaos. They're looting and they're doing this and they're doing that. Yeah. Well, they're doing that to like Walmart and mega and all these bigger corporate stores. But in every time I've responded to it, whether it's earthquakes, hurricanes, whatever, you see the best in people. I mean, people really stick together and that, that's why I like doing this, you know, since the very first time I did it. And, uh, during hurricane Harvey, I was like, man, this, this is just awesome. But just to see what local people do for each other, you know, I mean, you remember Ernie when, when we did that, uh, interview and I was in the HEB parking lot and the, the military was guarding the ice. And it was just <laughs> churches and local go blows out there setting up food lines and feeding everybody while while the military had, you know, eight armed guards for a truck of ice. Like they're giving away. What like what what are you even guarding it for? You're giving it away. <laughs> this senseless stuff. All right, Danny, well, let me ask you, <clears throat> you know, being down there and doing this um, the Mexican government, they're probably, I would imagine, not in a big, giant hurry, and they're going to get inspired by you doing it and kind of, wait, 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 me too. Are they getting in your way as much as the U.S. did? No. No, in the U.S., it was, uh, you know, all of the local police were re- were very helpful, and they would point me in the direction of where I needed to help. Like, when you when you sent me to Ron Paul, I, I ran into some local uh, cops there at, I think it was called Columbia, uh, something like that. Anyway, one of the local towns near there, the local cops actually pointed me in the right direction to help people. But the state police and the government would, would get in our way. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction 
and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. This hour of Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Let's talk about your positive experiences using Dash. Dash has transaction fees that are less than one cent. Dash transactions are instant, irreversible, and are protected from 51% attacks by its chain locks technology. Dash is the world's first decentralized autonomous organization. BitRefill allows for discounted purchases at national retailers. We want to thank Dash Dow for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use. Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. There are those that just want to be left alone and those that just won't leave them alone. Which one are you? The Ernest Hancock Show. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're continuing the conversation with Jeff Berwick and Danny Sessom from Anarchapoco, an event in Acapulco, Mexico, that's going into its 10th year. And the theme this year is the Phoenix Reborn, and so apropos because Hurricane Otis went in and destroyed Acapulco. And they are on the front lines making sure the people that need the help, that can use the help, that will help friends, neighbors, allies down there get straight to them. And the people that have enjoyed Acapulco with the Narcapoco event are ponying up. It's already reached over $300,000. They're getting directly to the people and they're telling us everything about HurricaneOtisRecovery.com. Are they getting in your way as much as the U.S. did? No. No, in the U.S., it was, uh, you know, all of the local police were re- were very helpful, and they would point me in the direction of where I needed to help. Like, when you when you sent me to Ron Paul's, I, I ran into some local uh, cops there. At, I think it was called Columbia, uh, something like that. Anyway, one of the local towns near there, the local cops actually pointed me in the right direction to help people. But the state police and the government would would get in our way. Remember, we had rescue boats that were pulling people out of the water. They would wait for us to pull the people out of the water, then they would take photo lots and then kick us out. So oh we'd have to go God. find a new place to put our boat in the water. It, it, was, uh, it, it was pretty insane. Uh, now, this is a, here, com- a common thing. Do you know why they do that? What What is their motivation well, for being in your way like that? Yeah, they, they want to be responsible. They They want to be able to 
say that they did the thing so that they can get the funding. You know, it's it's like the reason why Red Cross is so so much bullshit in the U.S. is because they they want to give away everything, so they literally will throw things away rather than give it away, so that they can justify their funding for the next time it happens. And uh, you know, I've seen evidence of this happening where they were just throwing away donations in Houston so that they could justify getting more for Maria because they were going from Hurricane Harvey to Maria over in uh, Florida. So they were, you know, they were packing up and leaving. They just threw it all away rather than carry it with them and have something to give away at the next spot. They would throw it away to justify their, their donation. It was insane. Wow. Yeah. Now here, here it's different. You know, we just passed military trucks with, uh, a bunch of water. They're they're passing out. The, the military has not been our way at all here. Uh, I haven't seen a lot from the Red Cross over the last couple of days. I, I see their station, but the very first days that I was here, they were they were handing out packages that were branded from Walmart. So I guess Walmart maybe gave that to them, and uh, they were handing it out. The mil yeah the military been pretty helpful. The linemen. Now, the linemen, that's universal. No matter where you go, the linemen are, like, those are, those are the real heroes. Those guys are, they're great everywhere you go. I mean, what I've seen in Houston was linemen from all over the U.S. that just showed up, and they had heard about me, and they were calling me, asking me, where to go, where do I go, where to work, and, and I was like, oh, so I was literally directing some of the linemen to, to go to these different places. Well, the, the federal government seemed to be the one that was FEMA. Just they're there for photo ops and doing it and pointing M16s yeah, at people. Yeah. But in Mexico, the contrast between, say, you know, Houston area or something, and what you were talking about is when Harvey hit, Ron Paul's home took a direct hit, and but they had it pretty yeah. much taken care. of. We called and you went down there and uh, checked out whatever, but then you saw other people in need, and they kind of direct, yeah, we're good, go over here. And it was awesome, the, the well, the crypto space, because it was really easy yeah. for us to donate crypto, and you could convert it, and you you were able to help. Now, in Mexico, in Narcoco, yeah. you know, when Jeff did that call to action, you, Jeff, how much have you raised? I mean, it's hundreds of thousands. I mean, it's, uh, it's enough. Uh, what did you get? Uh, we're over three hundred fifty thousand right now. Uh, Two hundred fifty thousand of it came through GoFundMe, but they haven't released the funds, and we haven't received them yet. Oh, just so everyone sucks. knows, it it appears it's on route right now. We put a lot of pressure on them, uh, but we're almost at a week in, and we still have not received any of the funds. Uh, we're hoping any day now, but we've actually surprise, surprise, survived mostly all on crypto. We've received over a hundred thousand dollars in crypto. The biggest donations came in through Monero. So there you go. And that's actually how we've been getting all of this stuff uh, going and, and uh, all of our distribution centers set up and all the supplies coming in is all through crypto. Okay, no, wait, wait, wait. Let's talk about this right. GoFundMe thing. So GoFundMe is doing, they're going, uh, yeah, donate here and your disaster relief if they get it right now and you got to, and we'll take care of and eh, not so much. So this is, what is the delay? Is this normal? Are they just kind of holding it, waiting for a permission slip to give you the money donated to you? What's going on? 
It, it's a lot of the typical red tape stuff. The first thing that was a problem was getting IRS forms filled out. We got that filled out pretty quickly. Uh, we, we actually listed the, some of the crypto addresses on the GoFundMe and they got mad at us uh, because, of course, they don't make any money if, if we do that. So we took it off immediately. Uh, then it seemed like it was another few days. And then they finally said, OK, we're going to start releasing funds. Uh, but then nothing happened for a day or two. Or, you know, I might have some of the time frames slightly off. This has all been a basically a hurricane of activity here. Yeah. Uh, and then um, they said they released it to the bank. But that was on Friday. And of course, banks are closed on the weekend, the old archaic banking system. So nothing's happening until Mondays. Then on Monday, we heard uh, that they're going to release it and it's going to be in our bank account on November 6th, which is a week from yesterday. Oh my God. Uh, but then we received another notification that it should arrive within two to five business days, which is, uh, you know, if this is supposed to be an emergency sort of, not all of it is, but a lot of people use it for emergencies. Absolutely. This is a ridiculous, ridiculous system. They've got the funds. They can easily transfer it in one second. Uh, if it's a business day within business hours, because that's how bank works. Uh, but uh, no, they are uh, incredibly bad. I don't want to say too much bad about them yet until we get our funds. I do. Then it's already too late. A lot more about it for me. So Gibson Go or yeah. some of these others, are they better? Have you tried them? Why did you do yes, a Go? Yes, they are. But and a lot of people said, uh, you know, why don't you do Gibson Go? We did Gibson Go. Uh, so far, we've received $5,000 on Gibson Go. We've received so much on GoFundMe because so many people have already donated there. They already have accounts. It's just a one-click sort of a thing. So most, uh, the majority of the funds have actually come in through GoFundMe, unfortunately, and unfortunately their systems are uh, in such a way. And, and we also saw during the Canadian trucker convoy, they not only froze all the funds, but they stole all the funds because yeah. they didn't like the protests yeah. against the, the, the vaccines. So, uh, the, again, I don't want to say too much bad until we get our money, and then you'll hear no, me saying a lot. I'll say it right now. You know, you know, bring it. Bring it. This would be, we would get hundreds of thousands of dollars of publicity. They're messing with the wrong people. They do this. It's like, oh, and the solution is Monero, R, Bitcoin Cash, whatever the heck. Because this is exactly why. This is exactly, exact neon flashing, just document all this stuff. You know, I could be a butthead. This is stuff I love being a butthead about. Now, Danny, not having access to these funds, is it slowing you down or the crypto enough to get you going and, you know, you can start the next wave as it comes in if they ever release it. But, you know, are you for lacking anything, Danny? No, we're doing all right right now because um, I'm actually using my personal bank account to to buy everything, and then uh, Jeff's guys are reimbursing me for what I'm what I'm spending. So we're able. I mean, Jason has this you know giant Sprinter van, which is like a three quarter ton cargo van. So we we can get a full pallet of water, uh, half a pallet of toilet paper. And then uh, a bunch of food. So I'm spending, you know, three grand at a time somewhere, something like that. And we're just going back and forth, back and forth. You know, yesterday we had the uh, the kids from the orphanage actually help us package everything so that we could uh, we could start a food line. Okay, and, this uh, is awesome. So, the, yeah. the the orphanage. We, well, I want the people to know about the orphanage. The orphanage there has yeah, I don't so, know how many people, how many kids, like eighty or something like that. 
Well, yeah, they got like 60 kids over there, and, you know, we've taken care of them over the past. So we haven't given them anything right now. We've got other people that are coming and and helping with them, but they're giving back to us. So we've been giving to them for years, and now they're stepping up and helping us package and and do the things to to get the, you know, get the food out to the the neighborhood there. Like I said, I I was using my bank account. We're getting the crypto funds that are reimbursed to me. But if you remember, you know, during Hurricane Harvey, it was it was not even a thing. I was it, the hurricane went as far in as Austin and it damaged our tower. So we were broadcasting on Facebook Live because we didn't have a radio signal. And I had a little bit of le- money left over from Dash, uh, you know, and said, you know what, I'm going to take this money and instead of giving it to the local homeless, I'm going to give it to people down on the coast who are homeless because of the hurricane. And people were listening, and they just started donating money while I was on the air. By the time the show was over, I I opened the opened the wallet, and someone sent me ten bitcoins, and Bitcoin was forty three hundred dollars there. So I had forty three thousand dollars right off the bat. And then over that next week or whatever, I ended up with sixty k. I was down there for six weeks, but that. I converted that because I had my Coinbase credit card. I just put that in Coinbase right then, and I was spending within the hour. I was down in San Antonio within an hour. I left Austin, went to San Antonio, hit the first Walmart, and then I just hit every Walmart after that on the way down. The hurricane was still coming. People were leaving. People were escaping from the coast, and I was heading towards uh, Corpus Christi, onto the back side of the hurricane. So I came in behind the hurricane and then just followed it through Houston, you know, as, as it moved. Well, compare that to, to Mexico the, now, what's going the, on now, the the uh, ease of crypto conversion, mm-hmm. credit card, doing rock and roll and whatnot. And then now it's uh, what? You're, you're just having to dip into your personal funds to be able to, to have a stopgap. But, you know, I... Yeah, I, I mean, that that gets me through until right now what yesterday we started receiving more funds so it's not it, it's not a problem how, how large is the problem only... let's talk about the problem you know well, problem, are you mostly the, in boneville are you going to knock a poco problem main problem is we have to drive five hours to get stuff so we're leaving, you know, in the morning. We we get up at eight o'clock. We drop our stuff off, and then we're driving back five hours, five hours back. We're not getting home until ten p.m. at night, and then we got to start it all over again. So, it, <laughs> are there other our, people like you? Well, t- tell us of the other relief efforts. You know, is I there... think there's smaller. There there are other people with smaller vehicles that are that are doing it as well. Uh, I think what would I be ideal. It is to get a semi or a, you know a a, a, a paquete a castor truck or something or a that can bring us ship. a bigger load. So, yeah, I think they're they're looking at having somebody with a plane bring some stuff, and we, we're looking at bringing. Uh, oh yeah, our our sound guy Luigi, I think, has a bigger truck, and uh, he's yeah. going to start moving into action. But so I don't even have a Costco. I don't even have a Costco account. But this is what I can tell you about Sam's Club and Costco. Whenever there's a disaster, you don't need an account. You just go and tell them, hey, I'm doing this, and they they will let you, and they'll even give you a discount. So, 
Very you know, cool. you don't need memberships with those guys. So when, how uh, desperate the is it, the people there? I want to get into Jardine uh, Secreto, the uh, location, because that was an open area. It's like a jungle with a bunch of huts and buildings in it. So if it gets a 300-mile-an-hour wind, uh, the trees are going to do some damage. I guarantee you that. So this is – have yeah, you been the, to the Jardine? The trees are laid over. I went back there. I went back there to look at it, and the trees are all laid over. I can't get in, uh, even I, but I can see that that, that long driveway you walk down. It, it, it's just trees are just laid over that, and you can't get back there. I have seen some pictures of it uh, from the inside, so some of the structures are still okay, and they're confident they will have it back up and and ready for February. And what I think what I think might happen, you know, if you're thinking about this is now that the trees are gone, it may actually give them the opportunity to redesign this where there's, it's actually a more friendly space to more people. So this might be, you know, it's a disaster, but take advantage of reborn, it. You know, reborn is very literal right now. Yeah, you guys got that old, Phoenix thing going on. Of, no, Freedom Reborn, of, right on. All of Bonesville and the Secret Garden is going to be completely reborn. Uh, yeah. So that's There's where you're spending most of your time. You're kind of focused. Well, you say Acapulco and the bay there. Boneville is kind of down the beach a little bit, which is where, you know, uh, an Acapulco has spent yeah. a lot of its effort and so on there. So really, Boneville is not the big resorts and the big hotels and the big, it's more of the local right. kind of economy, which I think yeah. is kind of cooler. I, I really like that vibe that's down there. Right. And the people know uh, you guys and Jeff and Anarcopoco and Dollar Vigilante and oh. they, they, all the stuff that you've done with the orphanage and everything. They expect, I, did they expect the big white van and the uh, big, Anarchopoco anarchist A there uh, giving out food to the people right freaking away. I they mean, tell me I about their they, response. I don't think they, I don't think they expected it, but they recognized us and they they all thanked us. They knew who we were. Uh, you know, I had several of them. Oh, anarchistas! Huh? <laughs> because we had the big Anarchopoco uh, logo on the side of uh, Jason's van as we were hand, handing out the food. So. Yeah, I had several people. Oh, anarchistas! Oh, there's <laughs> yeah. a thing, Jeff. Jeff, I want to ask Jeff something. Okay, Jeff, this is a awesome opportunity. I just interviewed um, a couple of people from Argentina, and uh, they're young, you know, exchange students from around the world, Japan, Europe, whatever, and Argentina. Uh, it's called Project Arizona US up here, and what happened is. Of course, I was interested in Javier Millet, which is running for president. They're going into the runoff in November, and it's going to be a thing in Argentina. Now you have him with anarchist flags calling the state everything but human. I mean, it, it's awesome. But now we got this anarchist uh, uh, rock star, literally, he's an economics professor or something, and plays in a band and got wild, crazy hair or whatever. Well, what happens is now that they're seeing... Anarchopoco and the anarchists coming, you know, beating the government by days, weeks, you know, and helping and so on. They're going to need a Javier Millet and Mexico. You know, this is, you can see it coming. The bad guys have no idea what they 
do when they do this kind of crap, or they just you know don't do their job. So this, I can see some legs to this. Is there going to be some investment in Boneville? You know, the people because like Max's Bar there, people moving there, people having you know, starting businesses, certainly spending time and money there, helping the locals. What do you see as a long term effect of this? You know, I really haven't thought too much ahead right now. We are still in a super crisis situation. Uh, there's numerous areas of Acapulco that we still haven't even been able to get into, and no one has. Um, we're getting into more of those places today. Uh, a lot of that stuff's happening more on my side. We kind of have two sort of sides. Uh, the, we have the Anarcapoco people who are mostly helping in the Bonfield and Diamante area, but there's the poor areas which are much worse hit. And that's all my family are working on that. So we're actually based out of my house with that. And uh, so that's really my main focus. We still have not even got into some areas. Uh, they haven't had food or water for nearly a week now in those areas. Uh, so that's my main focus. But I can, I can certainly see that um, as one example, uh, it, I just did a video called what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And the reason I called it that is because that's exactly what's happening. Um, most of the people uh, survived this storm. I don't know how this is a true miracle. Uh, no one knew it was coming. Imagine an entire city of over half a million people going to sleep and a tornado uh, of 200 mile per hour winds hits every place in the city while they're all asleep. How, uh, maybe Danny can comment, but uh, the official stats, which don't mean anything, uh, but it's the only thing we have right now, is 27 people have been found dead. Uh, we personally, I haven't heard of anyone that we've uh, anyone that we've sent out that have seen anyone who's died. So this is a true miracle, and I think we can, we will see if we can help rebuild here. Um, we will see, uh, and Pat uh, has already talked about this, it's pulled the Anarchapoco, not just even the, the staff and the crew and people like Danny and Kat and everyone, but a lot of the people who attend Anarchapoco are all uh, contributing to this. We've become incredibly tight-knit. Uh, if we can pull off uh, getting through this crisis, getting to the recovery, and having Anarchapoco in 2024 in uh, the Secret Garden. And by the way, there's only one area of all of Acapulco that is completely untouched, like not even a twig looks broken. It's the area right where we have the, the event. Uh, talk about <laughs> uh, complete uh, blessing from above sort of a thing. I should also mention my house is the least damaged house that I've seen in Acapulco. Uh, just a few of the windows got smashed. I don't know how, because uh, most other houses are destroyed. Um, and even Max Egan, uh, he wasn't there, but he had his stuff there. He loves his guitars and his computers and his cat. All of them survived a cat five right on the beach. Uh, so we are definitely blessed. And if we can do this event in February, it's going to be uh, by and this is our 10th anniversary too and we named it reborn before all of this happened this is going to be the most incredible uh sort of coming together most of the town will have realized how much we've done for them yep. um this is going to be uh if we can pull this off and we think at this moment in time it's looking like we might be able to do it uh, we we can't confirm yet of course we're still figuring out uh, but uh if we do this could be just massive in terms of the entire town. They're already pretty anarchist already, 
That's actually one of the reasons I think Acapulco was targeted. Uh, they actually, we found out soon after, they, they were planning to do a smart city, 15-minute city in Acapulco, of which the people there were. would never have stood for. Uh, so they're trying to wipe out a lot of the poor people. But we're there trying to save them right now. Hopefully, we can help them recover, and they won't come through with their plans. If we do... Uh, Acapulco, which is already a very anarchist place, and that's why I've lived there. That's why I'm always from there, uh, and that's why Acapulco is there. Will become even far, far more because uh, the government of all the uh, people who've helped so far, it's been us. It's been private organizations. I should put a shout out to the Red Cross in Mexico. My wife told me. It's run by someone, uh, a family that's very rich called the Palazuelos, I believe their name is. Uh, they actually basically created Tulum. They're, they're very wealthy, but they're, they're, they have a lot of things in Acapulco. They're actually the owners of Zebu Restaurant, which many people might know. Uh, they were there fairly quickly, and they're helping out a lot from what I hear. Danny says he hasn't seen them as much uh, lately, but uh, I'm hearing that they're, they're doing quite a bit. Uh, so that's another private organization. And, uh, you know, Red Cross and other countries, some of them are just complete scams and frauds. But here in Mexico, uh, it's, it's, it appears quite good. So you have, you have the anarchists, you have the private uh, charities, you have the, uh, the private companies, as Danny mentioned, CFE putting in the power very quickly already, which has been amazing. Uh, the private uh, Internet companies have been doing stuff. A lot of the uh, funds have been raised using cryptocurrency. And the last thing, uh, the only thing, Danny mentioned the military. The military has started to help, uh, especially with medical issues. So that's good. Uh, but as far as government support, I don't know if there has been any whatsoever so far. And at this point, I'm kind of like almost like okay with it because we've almost in the next few days, we should hopefully way. have the situation fairly under control and we can show that uh, it was all done privately. We know we can Romania, the insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our lives. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember... I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Ernest Hancock, 
here in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, talking to Jeff Berwick and Danny Sessom in Acapulco, a HurricaneOtisRecovery.com, a Cat 5 hurricane just turned, pivoted, went straight to Acapulco and devastated it. But we have people on the ground there taking care of business and already raised over $300,000 getting to the people that need it and great, 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 great PR for the Liberty Movement. More coming up right here with Jeff Berwick and Danny Cecil. The situation fairly under control and we can show that uh, it was all done privately. This is um, interesting that you have like what happened to Maui, what happens all over the place that they're um, able to directly impact and oh yeah well don't worry about it we got that 15 minute city thing we're going to really make it nice but not for you people that the riffraff you're not allowed you know so this is they're not there to save the property of the people or even just support their property rights so they can come back and rebuild it's not like they don't have enough material laying around so this is um it's going to be interesting, and I can think of no better group of people that can articulate what is happening as it's happening. This is it. So, are you able to get into Acapulco on the bay, the beach, your home there, Jeff? Is there, um, uh, they got M16s out there or fouls that they have, 308s, that they are preventing people from going to their property? Is that happening there like they do in no. the U.S.? Yep. Let me let me uh, let me cover all that real quick. I'm Please. I'm here, and that that's that's fake news. They're, that's bullshit. They're not stopping anyone. Uh, they stopped and asked us on on the way in one time, "Where are you going?" That's it. They didn't they didn't even look inside the van. We had all this stuff. So all these are all lies about them taking your taking your stuff that you're going to be helping with. It's it's that's all bull stuff. Yeah, I'll just to add quickly, Danny, if you don't mind, that it's exactly like what we see with CNN and all the mainstream media in the U.S. I actually fell for it at first uh, because I didn't know the Mexican media is the same. The Mexican media has actually probably been one of the worst uh, things for this disaster because they've kept people from coming into Acapulco by spreading lies that the government is stopping people. Uh, that is too dangerous. Uh, this has all been spread by the media, uh, which, in fact, I think wants to get rid of the president. So it's very similar to like a Donald Trump sort of situation where you have the media spreading lies, which are actually damaging people. So this yeah. has already got politicized. Um, we're, we, um, we're, uh, we're, we're pressed for time because we have to get back to Cuernavaca before uh, before five so we can get the stuff uh, loaded up and everything. Um I'll just leave you with two things. One, um, the store. So it, with Hurricane Harvey, it was different because there were stores. I could go somewhere and I could buy stuff. Here, there's no stores left. They're gone. Yes. So there's no there's nowhere to buy anything other than maybe a few mom and pop stores that are popping up, and all you can buy is like chips and soda. So you, you, there's no place to get food here yet because they don't have the stores open. Um, you know, so that, that's, that's the problem. There aren't supplies to get, you know. Uh, other than that, but there's no problem with the military or, or any of that other stuff. And I had another point, and I forgot it. <laughs> so, 
but w- we do have to get going. I-, I can stay on the line until we lose signal, but we're we're gonna we're gonna yeah, go, 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 go. Don't let anybody suffer unnecessarily for us. Go ahead and go, and if you can keep a signal, that's cool. But thanks, yeah. Danny, and you're gonna you're gonna get a yeah. you know a shiny badge for something. I mean, this is this is so this is so Danny. Yeah, we're starting to lose. Yeah, we lost him. Okay, this is this has been really. I'm, I'm so glad that we're able to help, and I just want to make sure that uh, people still have an opportunity to donate in such a way that if you, especially if you're crypto oriented, that you can donate in such a way. One, you can be anonymous. You know that that's always a benefit because they go after people that do this kind of stuff now, and the fact that it goes straight to uh, Jeff and company that they can make use of it immediately. If you do the GoFundMe thing, we're looking at it's already over going to be over a week. You know, it could be easily two weeks. What a crock of crap. Who would use them anymore? Especially after they did the trucker convoy thing. The heck with them. You know, I mean, are you inclined to use GoFundMe, promote them again, make them money, Jeff? Huh? Huh? Are you? You know, I have to be honest, uh, if we receive the money, I would. And it's just because, unfortunately, so many people are just so used to using it. That's where most of the funds actually went in. Now, if we don't get the funds, if we don't get them in time, that's a different story. But it's looking fairly good at the moment. Uh, But, yes, it would be so much better if people would realize to stop using all of these sort of things and start using crypto. Uh, But, like I said, we raised over 100,000 crypto, and so far uh, that's lasted us uh, up until now and probably at least for another day or two. So uh, uh, but it would be nice if people started to wake up and and stuff like that. And I've seen a few people saying, Jeff, you're such an idiot for using GoFundMe. It's like, well, we did start a Gifts and Go, and uh, you're welcome to donate there. And we received $5,000 there so far because not many people know about it. Not many people have accounts there set up. Uh, so it's just one of those things. We're just trying to do whatever we can. If we do receive the funds from GoFundMe, I'll be fairly happy. Uh, I think uh, people need to realize that if they have emergency situations, they that they have to be somewhat, this is insane. Uh, like <laughs> to wait two weeks during a, a situation where we're just trying to get the funds and get it out to people is uh, beyond insane. Uh, but unfortunately, most people just don't know that. So we're, we're just doing all we can with what we got. You know, another thing, this is, you know, an example. This is education. This is, you know, things that you need to know. And when they did the, um, trucker convoy in Canada, and it was a political decision with the financial institutions of you can't have the money. We're not even refunding it, you know. And it, it's just so bad, so draconian. It's almost like you want to pay them twenty bucks for doing it. You know, I go, yeah, you get, you know, thank you, butt heads. Well, you know, this is this delay is that's one reason why crypto to me has one flaw. It's really easy to spend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I want to be able, I was telling um, Paul Play over at Edge, I said, you know what you could do for me? You know, especially if you're linking it to my bank anyway or whatever. Whenever I purchase something, that it buy and replenish it plus 10% or something. Give me that option. And then, man, I'll spend it all day long. You know, it'd be a lot easier that way. So this has been a really good example of what needs to be done. Now, you're... Wife's family, you have a lot of contacts in Acapulco. It's a lot of them, I would imagine, are businesses too. So, is there any restrictions on people just opening up, building, but they got water problems, they got 
food problems. They got so when you say the immediate need right now is heck, you know, shelter. I, I what is it like on the ground that you're hearing from your wife's family that how are they surviving? You know, they're, they're waiting for Danny to get there or what? Um, yeah, it's. You know, Danny uh, would be able to answer this a lot better than me because I'm not on the ground. And, and some people have said, Jeff, why aren't you there? It's like, well, there's no power and there's no Internet. That's the majority of my 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 superpowers is being able to, to coordinate all this from outside because we actually uh, there's, there has been really no signal until just recently. We just brought in Starlinks uh, just uh, yesterday. Um, so once there's power and actually have power at my house with a generator, we're just waiting for an electrician to come in and make sure we don't power it up and blow up the house because the solar panels uh, flew off and there's wiring and stuff like that. Um, but once we have power and internet, I'll probably be heading down. But I'm hearing from my fa- my family side, which my daughter's been there. She's actually been one of the top people doing almost everything on on my family side. She's running it like a five star general. She's a 17 year old unschooled girl, by the way. Um, so, um, I'm hearing that people are, are fairly good in terms of, uh, we haven't seen too much panic yet. Uh, we're definitely, it seems like they're basically just in shock. They, most of those people in the poorer areas have just lost everything. All they have is the clothes that they're wearing. Everything else is gone. It blew away. Um, we're bringing up enough food and water at the moment with us and other people now helping that I think we're getting close to the point where, uh, it's not um, massive, like people are going to die tomorrow if we can't get them food and water at this point. Uh, I think we're almost through that, although there is some areas, like I said, including Pita La Cuesta, that no one's heard anything from. It's completely blocked. It's so bad you can't even get in there. And, of course, there hasn't been much help from the government to get into any of these places. And we don't have helicopters and, you know, people who can repel in and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there, we're still waiting to hear on some of those areas. But in general, uh, the, there was a lot of rumors at the very beginning that there was just mobs and uh, people just robbing each other and killing each other. It uh, turns out that almost all of those were not true. Uh, and most of the people, like Danny said, have been just, um, you know, hanging in there, working together. People who can help are helping. Uh, you pay, played a video there I saw earlier, taxi drivers who still have a taxi, and most of them do if they weren't along the coast. Uh, most of those taxis got wiped out from the storm surge, which was absolutely massive. Um, you know, people might say, Jeff, you know, the, you said there's no rain with the hurricane. Why is there all these uh, cars, like, upside down in the in mud and water and stuff? That's from the storm surge. There was no rain with this thing. So, anyway, taxi drivers are going to, like, uh, creeks and stuff and filling up water bottles. Now, there's probably going to be a fair amount of sickness uh, because of no, no one's filtering a lot of this stuff. We're bringing in bottled water. Uh, but... Um, People are seem to be it's, it's just like Acapulco is that you know it. Uh, the people there are amazing. Uh, I have to say we've got some mezcal as one of our supplies. Uh, we've also been asked for cigarettes by a lot of people. Uh, once we, I've heard from some people. Once these guys get out of there, they come down, they get some water, they get some food, and then they can have a shot of mezcal. All we need now is to get some music playing, and it'll be like not too bad for them because that, that's what they like. Uh, that it's it's that that real 
wonderful people of Acapulco uh, are surviving this, uh, but they can still use all the help that we can offer. And if we can even get more donations uh, in the in the coming weeks um, to help people start to, we're, we're talking about building shelters now, because a lot of these places, there's just nothing there. They have no homes. They're all sleeping basically on the ground uh, with nothing over their head, uh, without much right now. If we can at least get up some temporary shelters, and then even, we're already been work talking about uh, all kinds of ways we can build uh, uh, permanent shelters uh, for very cheaply, whether it be through 3D printers or earth ships or uh, tents that are, there's some really good tents now that you can Sounds you can like have they need a dome, geodesic domes. You know, this is um, uh, the idea that they're doing this uh, fresh. You get a fresh slate. I mean, this is, uh, of course, is what they, them, those bad guys want. We need a fresh slate so we can build our 15 minutes of slavery. And what if we take the opportunity, you know, but I need to know what about property rights? You know, people are they deeded? There all these little businesses and these homes and people in Bonefield there on the beach and the little streets. It's very the word that came to mind. I don't know what other word I would use, but it was quaint, whatever that means. It was just kind of villagey. It was safe. It was fun. There was people enjoyed just living and, you know, their neighbors walking down the street, going to a little taco stand. It was very relaxing. It was a slowed down pace of chill. And the people were nice. And as long as you weren't trying to compete with the cartel or something, you didn't have any problem. You know, it's just you start messing with them, you got problems. That's another thing. I want to talk about, you know, the uh, cartels and so on, what role they might play. And uh, a lot of times they're heroes in this kind of stuff. But um, I want to know about the property right protection from the government. Are they coming in, do the Maui thing? Eh, we're going to make it a park in your eminent domain or you're not allowed. Or are they saying, this is yours. All right, peace out. Start building, rebuild, and go. And if you have that attitude and the freedom and the need to do it, and maybe a little bit of help and here's some Portland cement, boom, they be a making Portland cement. I mean, Mexico is all about masonry, man. I mean, all of a sudden in a week, it's pop, it's done. So, and probably a lot of those structures survive. Maybe not the roof, but I mean, you know, so the reconstruction, what kind of impediment do you think there would be to that? Yeah, I should point out that as bad as it looks, all the concrete structures are all totally fine. Uh, so in one in one sense, it's better than an earthquake because all the structures are still there. So all those hotels and everything, all they need to do is put up new windows, clean out the insides, get whatever furniture got wrecked, uh, fi fix it or buy new ones, and it's basically good to go. So I expect all the apartment buildings, hotels, they might even be up and running in the next few months. Uh, the issue is in the poor areas, uh, most people don't live in uh, concrete buildings and stuff like that. So if they didn't, it's, it's mostly all blown away. And I have a theory, a number of theories of why this was done. One of them is to attack Mexico. Uh, 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 Carlos Slim, a billionaire in Mexico, has been buying up all the property in Acapulco. Uh, and they want to put in like, I think what they want to do is make it like the rich and famous again. And they want to wipe out all these poor areas areas and and make it just so everything's all nice and like a 15 minute city smart city type stuff um so that's what they're going to be trying to do 
But if we can help out enough, um, as far as property rights go, it's kind of funny in Mexico. No one really cares about much. No one really listens to the government. So if the people there have the resources to stay, if they have the resources to rebuild, uh, it's not like in the U.S. where the uh, government will come in and kick them off the land. If the government does that, they will all be killed. This is what people hear all the time about Mexico and why I love Mexico. If the government does anything against the people, the people will fight back and kill anyone in the government, including the police. Um, so this is very, very different than what you, you see in a place like Maui, where they uh, use their directed energy weapons to burn out all the Polynesians. Uh, but because everyone listens to the government there, when they come in and say, OK, well, your place got burnt out by, uh, you know, an act of God. Uh, so uh, we're going to rezone it now and you don't have the property rights. People there, unfortunately, just say, well, I guess we don't have the property rights. That does not happen in Mexico and it does not happen definitely in Acapulco. If these people have the resources, they will stay on their land and they will they will fight anyone who tries to kick them off. So this is actually going to be the next battle. Uh, is to try to keep anyone who wants to stay there and help them rebuild and to keep out uh, the basically the globalists from co- the billionaires coming in and taking all their land. So that's going to be the next step. But again, I haven't worried about it too much until we get this crisis under control. You know, there's a lot for someone that's poor and um, uh, they survive this and they want to stay. There's enormous amount of resources that are there just in the damage, the wood, you know, the, the aluminum, you know, the steel, the metal, the I mean, it's amazing. And probably the only thing they need is not like they don't have sand. So it's um, it's Portland cement. I mean, it's like, you know, barges of Portland cement, <laughs> you know, bring it. So this is um, there's a long term thing. Do you think by Anarchapoco in February, you guys are going to be, um, you know, focusing on this, or is it going to be, you know, the speakers, they have their thing. And, I mean, wh- what can we expect from Anarchapoco this year in light of this? Uh, well, I- I'll tell you, I made a joke in the comments as we're starting to realize that uh, it's it's it might be, because we thought at, at first glance, it looked like, forget it, uh, we're not doing Anarchapoco this year, Anarchapoco, everything's gone. Um, but as we started to discover the secret garden guys, they said, yeah, a lot of stuff's knocked over, but we're going to rebuild it. They said already they're going to have it ready in time for February. We talked to numerous of the hotels, which are all concrete structures. So they're fine. All their windows are blown out. Some of the furniture's damaged. They're going to replace it. They said they're going to be ready by February. Uh, while this was happening, uh, we started commenting that this reborn slogan that actually I came up with uh, was uh, really had new meaning now. Yep. And actually, I, I was kind of like, no, I knew a lot of this stuff was going to happen. This is the apocalypse. Uh, so I kind of knew in one way or another stuff like this was going to happen. So uh, they started saying that. And I said, well, we'll see. Uh, you know, it still could be uh, not reborn, but stillborn could be our slogan this year. But it's looking more and more like it will be. And if we do, like I said, I would not doubt if so many people came uh, just because of what's going on and to support uh, the event on its 10th anniversary. And they're seeing already all the help we're giving and they're helping as well with their donations. Uh, we could see, and I actually didn't think about it, what Danny said. Uh, the biggest problem with Secret Garden is they couldn't hold lots of people because there were so many places which had all kinds of trees and stuff because it's a botanical garden uh, that we couldn't fit them in. Uh, but who knows? Maybe this will be our biggest narcopogo ever in February. Um, and I know for people like Kat, uh, who works with all the uh, all these suppliers and vendors and taxi drivers and all the sort of people, all these people have been mostly wiped out. 
Uh, we're definitely going to be trying to help them out as much as possible to get back on their feet. Uh, so this could be almost like everyone in tears of celebration uh, that we not only survive, but we are reborn uh, coming in February. This could be the most beautiful thing ever. Um, but like I said, we're, we're still, I'm just focused on getting out of this crisis. There's still a lot of need um, just to get the basics. Once we know we have the, the food and the water coming into everywhere, uh, then I'll I'll calm down a bit about the crisis and then we can start to worry about the recovery and then we can start to worry about what we're going to do with an Arcapulco in February. You know, this is a, a, a really good opportunity. I want to show the, the logo here that you guys have. You know, it is the Phoenix. I mean, it's freedom is rising, reborn. What a perfect opportunity. From the ashes comes freedom's Phoenix. And this is, um, I, I really, when I saw this, I was like, oh, yeah, and it's time, you know, and reborn with the B as a, uh, a Bitcoin logo. It's all, it's like they did you a, I mean, it's not a, I wouldn't say a favor, but I don't think it's going to go the way they, them, those think it will. Because they can't think the way we do. They don't, they, it, it's not in their makeup. They can't. They can't imagine what the opportunity. They can't imagine on the personal scale, the human-to-human scale, the opportunity for us to demonstrate what works best. This is they, – they're not able to comprehend that or certainly articulate that or be a, a good example. They're always a bad example. So this is going to be already – are you getting positive feedback from the locals, the people – even the government, are you have any contacts with the local government? If there is one left, I, I don't know. You know, in Acapulco or Boneville, does Boneville even have like a, a city limits or anything? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, there's not really anything like that. There's no real organization for much. Um, I actually have some theories about what happened, about how it actually was. Um, uh, well, I'm not actually going to get into them, and it might actually be dangerous for me at this moment in time to get into them. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? You're listening to Ernest Hancock. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're finishing up our conversation about HurricaneOtisRecovery.com with Jeff Berwick and Danny Sessom down in Acapulco, where it got a Cat 5 direct hit and what the Liberty community has been doing. Yeah, there's not really anything like that. There's no real organization for much. Um, I actually have some theories about what happened, about how it actually was um, 
uh, well, I'm not actually going to get into them, and it might actually be dangerous for me at this moment in time to get into them. I will say my only communication with the government was in a video I said that uh, when I thought, I believed the media, so I felt for the fake news that the government was trying to keep supplies out of Acapulco and trying to stop us. I said in a video that if they're doing that, I'm going to kill the president. Uh, someone contacted me from uh, the <laughs> their side and said, we're not trying to stop you. And if you're going to try to kill the president, we're going to have to stop you. And I was like, well, if it's not true, then I retract it. So that was my only conversation. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> wait, no. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. I watched your video when you said... I mean, you didn't say, I'm, yeah, you pretty much did. You know, I, I, I said, he'll be gone. Yeah, he'll be, <laughs> it, and he's gone. Okay. So it was, um, I, I was like, damn, Jeff's going to get something there. They're not going to let that one go by. So you did get some response. You go, whoa, 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 Jeff, it's all good. It's all good, man. We're, we're going to let you through. We're going to, why? Why, why did they even contact you? What's so special about Jeff? What contacts do you have that they fear Jeff? What, what was that about? You know, I really don't know. It was a guy on Telegram who contacted me. It sounded legit. Uh, he seemed to be talking like he knew what was going on. Um, I, I don't know who it was, uh, but I had the conversation with them, and we reached an agreement that once I understood they were not trying to stop supplies, I said I'll retract that statement and that we're all good. We're friends if they're not trying to stop us. And I don't know who it was. I, it could have been just some crazy person on the Internet for all I know, but it, it sounded pretty legit. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Why did you uh, say that? Well, is that a passion, you know, out of... Uh, oh, I was... Yeah, when I you thought, just really... Shit, man, you had a game on. I mean, you know, what was your attitude on that? So I had just heard so um, that they were blocking the roads and not letting anyone bring in supplies, uh, the military, under orders of the president. Now, that was fake news. But I had just read that, and I went out to do a video, and yeah, I, I meant it. Uh, anyone who tries to stop us from helping these people, I will do whatever it takes to stop them from stopping us and anything it takes. And we actually have the capabilities to do that with all the people we know in Acapulco. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I meant it, but I was wrong and I apologized and I retracted it. But I, I still do mean it. Anyone who tries to stop us from helping in Acapulco, they're going to have a bad time. And uh, my wife's family and everyone in Acapulco, uh, you talked about the cartels and all that. The cartels are really mostly just the people in the town yeah. that are, you know, are involved more in, in the drug trade and stuff like that. But they're the people with families and they actually care about the town and all that kind of stuff. So you, you might not hear about them like out, you know, with their cartel shirts on helping. They're, they're just regular people helping. Uh, <laughs> but those people are very strong as well. And that's actually why Acapulco and uh and a lot of Mexico's remain so free is because of people like that. Um, so I don't expect that they're going to get away with doing like a Maui type situation and taking over the land and kicking out people here. Uh, this, they don't have the capabilities. Uh, they, uh, and there's too many people who will violently fight uh, if they try to do that. And if we can do on the other side, help them out with the resources so that they have the resources to stay and rebuild, uh, they won't really even have a chance. Uh, so, we, you know, this is an attack on us for so many reasons and on Mexico and to promote the global warming uh, thing. Uh, you know, everyone who has heard about this hurricane, every single person on the Internet's like, you see, we've got to stop driving cars. We've got to stop eating meat. Oh. Look how the hurricanes are getting now. It's like this is not a normal hurricane. This is what like what happened in Maui. Uh, this is what they do all over the place. Uh, but if we can, this is our stronghold, actually. Uh, between my wife's family and the Anarchapoco side, this is our town. 
And uh, none of us are going to stand for this. Like, if, if they thought they were going to roll over us, they thought they could just hit us with a cat five and we're all just going to go away and let them do what they want to do. Uh, they don't understand who they're dealing with. They don't understand so many things. This They wanted a clean slate for whatever they wanted to do. And then they just provided you this opportunity to demonstrate what can be done. It's going to be done. See, now I'm thinking a lot of the people that have enjoyed Anarchapoco and have gone, um, they're always looking, well, what can I do? You know, who can I, can I invest in a little business? Can we have some fun? Can we do, you know, whatever? We want to be part of the crowd. And um, now there's an opportunity. Now they're welcome. Now, you know, uh, uh, money from North America is like, you know, come on down and help and invest and be part of and do and open your own. You know, now you can buy a lot and a home maybe for really cheap or you can certainly have labor to it's just so many opportunities now have opened up you know for people in support of what you because i remember when dollar vigilante you went first went to acapulco way back in the day you know a lot of the ron paul evolutionaries were all Woo, man we're gonna go get a condo we're going a lot of people did move down all right do you have a stream of people still going down there, you know, and do you think that will increase now over this next year and going into the summer, be part, if you're going to build what you want, well, now's the time to do it and rebuild what you want, you know? So is this a a marketing thing? You're going to be trying to encourage people to come down. Now's a good time where a lot of people, they wouldn't go where a lot of us, this is a time to go. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good point. I really haven't thought about it because we're still in the crisis. But um, I can say that a number of people who have moved down, uh, they have had their some of their places just really destroyed. Although most places are still standing, it's just a big mess. Yeah. Uh, there's no power. There's no internet. So a lot of a lot, not a lot, but uh, numerous of them have just left. Uh, for example, my neighbor, they went to Chilpanzingo. Um, you know, there's power and internet there, at least until they can get the basic stuff back up and running. Some of them have been just leaving. There's no point really in being there if you have nothing. Uh, and, it, you know, I guess you could help, but you don't even have your own food or anything. It's actually probably a better situation for a lot of people just to get out. Uh, but if you are like Danny or if you're like my daughter or so many other people and you don't mind being in pretty poor situations while you help out then we invite anyone who wants to come down we can use all the help we can get we actually have a decent amount of funds now um we've we've got well over 40 people i think on the ground at this point both from my family side and uh, the anarchopocus side that are all working basically day and night on this uh we could definitely use more people um now once once it gets out of this crisis situation and power comes back on internet signal comes back on the water starts working again the sewage which has been a big problem starts working again that's going to be a issue if that doesn't get uh, rectified soon um once that happens yeah anyone who wants to come down they, there might be a lot of opportunities but i don't uh, i'm not even looking that far ahead at this point well the reason i bring it up is you know a benefit to some people kind of lean in this way anyway but the big thing is, is like with Maui, they don't let you come in. They're making offers on homes to do what they want. They're going to take over whole neighborhoods. You know, you know, your brains or your signature is going to be on this piece of paper kind of crap. And I'm just, if we, you know, claim the rebuild and the Phoenix reborn ourselves or people that take advantage of the opportunity like max did you know he comes from australia that was trying to kill him and then he gets to um bone and he buys a max bar 
I mean, he's got the, the crow's nest, and that was awesome. You know, it's a lot of fun, and then he enjoys that. So I'm just, you know, that kind of thing is that we're just thinking into the future when these kinds of opportunities come up for this type of living, even maybe not your primary uh, residence, but to have a place that you can go where the people are good. Because I get the feeling of a moral, you know, even though you got all the cartels, this, that, you know, most of them, they're brought up uh, Catholic. At least they know, grandma told them what was right and wrong, how to be polite, not be a jerk, you know, uh, uh, don't be a dick. I mean, rule one. So this is a um, an opportunity, and they're good. I mean, I've been down there, you know, several times over the years, and uh, it's been such a good experience and a weight taken off your shoulder. You come back to the United States refreshed after going through TSA, all that crap. But, you you know, you're down there, and it's so recharging. And I can see, with especially with the, the Phoenix Reborn theme, that you think you're going to get a lot of previous attendees, alumni is going to come. Do you think it's going to be more attended, less are you going to, the capability of, of Jardine Secreto is going to be they can take more people? They were planning on that. What do you think is going to happen? Are you getting any feedback on attendance you think is going to be? I haven't really thought about that. You might want to have Kat on uh, to talk about that. She probably yeah. has a better idea. Yeah. Um, it, it's really more of a, a situation of um, uh, will, will things be able to be repaired enough and in time? And can people do it uh, for the event? Um, but you actually have stoked uh, something in my mind that, yeah, a lot of stuff's been wiped out here. We actually could bring in, because we've got all the Earthship type people, yep. uh, Chad and all those guys. They've been building Earthships and stuff. Like maybe we could remold Acapulco in a completely self-sustainable with like solar panels um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, th- this actually could be a massive, massive opportunity. And usually these sort of crises are. Um, so I would not doubt it. But, uh, Ernie, you got to kind of laugh, right? When you look at the the history of Anarchapoco, you were at the first one. That was just like a bunch of weirdos and, like, oddballs and people who hated the government just showing up and uh, there was no structure or anything. Uh, then we, we ran it for a few years, and then uh, John got shot right before the 2008 event, and a lot of people said they were too scared to come. A lot of sponsors canceled. A whole HBO documentary got made about it. Then they did the whole COVID psyop for like three years, and every event on Earth stopped except for one that I know of, and that's in Arcapulco. We never stopped once. We found the secret garden. We did it without masks, without six feet apart. Uh, while the rest of the world was all hiding in their houses. Uh, and now, right before the 10-year anniversary, the entire event and the entire city is hit by a Cat 5 hurricane. If we can pull this one off, uh, I think, you know, like like how we continue to do it, I don't know. But uh, I almost, like, almost want to at this point because... You know, we've been through so much already. Uh, if we can get through this one, too, then we're basically uh, unstoppable. 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 Wasn't that, wasn't that one of your slogans one year? I think it was. Yeah, <laughs> I think all of our slogans are coming true. <laughs> you know, this has been, you know, I, I, you know I, I don't want to, of course, we have immediate need now. You know, this is something that we have immediate need now. But you want to... 
paint the picture in the the whole atmosphere of what was built there, the relationships, the participation of the community, of the uh, the uh, uh, the venue, the people involved, you know, people that have gone before, alumni, speakers, everything. It, that's why there was such an immediate response with a good chunk of hundreds of thousands towards this because of the people are so good and the people are capable and the people are nice and the people are right thinking. I mean, they understand what the importance is of helping your neighbor because anarchists are not, you know, uh, you know, chaos. You know, there's there's just. You know, it's not there aren't any rules. There's just aren't any rulers. And you get the rulers out of the way, people can help take care of people. And that's what's happened. And this is a good demonstration of it. And the future is going to be built on this from the reputation of a decade of being of help, of service, being nice. Because that's one of the things when we go to um, an Arcapoco, and especially when I am seen, I'm encouraging people over tip. Tip the crap out of these people. The taxi drivers, heck, they get you know tipped as much as the ride. I mean, you know, they get double. They, yeah, here, take a twenty, man. You know, and it's just been they're so appreciative, and they understand that we see them as equal, as other human beings, as people, and it's just been a really good experience. If you haven't experienced that type of totally different languages, totally different cultures, totally different, but they have the same core values god family themselves community it's just you know it's all intertwined with the goodness and what happens people want to create the government to save you from the bad guys then the bad guys get in charge of it i you know that that's what happens all the time but they're learning from us we're learning from them Anything else you want to make sure the people know, we got up on the archive for today. You know, go on freedomsphoenix.com. You'll see the the show, and then we'll start promoting it, and I'll get this edited, and we'll get it out. And uh has all the contacts in there for donating, for uh, you got GoFundMe. You got gifts and go, too, don't you? I mean, you got that on yeah, there. Yeah, we do. And we got, uh, uh, of course, crypto. Crypto's easiest, boom, push the button, and done. And... You can definitely be anonymous that way, which is what a lot of people have done for that very reason. Because with Gifts and Go, they went after the people that donated. And, you know, the trucker convoy in Canada, how messed up is that? So this has been a, a, a just heart, even though it's a tragedy, it's a heartwarming experience for people being able to demonstrate how people can help people. And Anarchapoco, that crowd has done a great job. And I know, and getting Kat on, you know, uh, Catherine on is a, a good idea, but we'll give it a little while. We'll wait a month or so and we'll get it on for the future, you know, what's going on because uh, we have more immediate needs now. And what do you want, think people should, if they got a desire to whatever the main thing is just money you need them to come down you want them to bring their barge in you know to the thing fly over drop what 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 do you need jeff as of right now um i think we've almost like we've got a lot of people coming in they're still coming in every day there's more people coming in from all over there's been the anarchists in puerto vallarta have been coming in to help um there's been so many people coming in uh but we could always use more people if you do want to come down, if you do want to help. 
Uh, we could definitely use more funds. Um, and you can go to our website, hurricaneotisrecovery.com. Um, the more that we have, the more that we can do, and especially even helping people recover after this. A lot of people don't have houses and stuff like that. So if we can help them to rebuild their houses, that would be amazing. But obviously, that's going to take a lot of capital. Um, so that's the, the main things. Get on our Anarchapoco Telegram chat. Uh, I think it's just called Anarchapoco Official on Telegram. That's where a lot of information is coming out. On Twitter, we have Hurricane Otis RE is the username. Her, you could probably just look up Hurricane Otis Recovery on Twitter. You'll find it. We're pumping out all the updates there. We're also updating the website every day with photos, videos, receipts of everything we're buying. Uh, so, yeah, we could just use your support in those ways. Uh, and then as far as Anarchapoco, um, for anyone who's already bought a ticket, uh, just hang in there. Give us a couple days here. See what we're going to do. Uh, for anyone who's thinking of coming, uh, just hang in there. But please keep us in mind. It'd be great to have uh, like maybe one of our largest attended events ever because that will bring in a lot of uh, money for the hotels, for the workers. Um, so don't uh, write us off at the very least at this point and at the very at the most hopefully uh, try to uh, help us out or come down in any way this actually might be the most beautiful this is I already know it's going to be the most beautiful event the orphans are going to be there like they always are they all survived by the way on the beach they've got a big concrete structure they all survived and now as Danny pointed out they're actually helping out with us with the donations to help uh, the rest of Acapulco it's it's all turning into a beautiful thing now Uh, and so hopefully if, if and, and probably when we do it in February, hopefully everyone can come and be a part of it. I got up here, you know, I'm showing the audience Hurricane Otis Acapulco Re- Rescue and Recovery GoFundMe, $275,000 there, uh, raised of a goal of $10 million? Oh my God, you're going to be building the hotels? I mean, $10 million? We're rebuilding Boneville now? I mean, <laughs> well, you, well, you know, Ernie, when I started it, uh, you know, most when there's a massive, massive event like a Pat five hurricane or a eight point something earthquake that destroys a city, uh, usually some of those GoFundMe's go up well into the tens of millions of dollars. And no one had even started one yet. So when we started it, I said, why don't we put 10 million as a goal? Uh, unfor- you know, unfortunately, it's, it's only been a few hundred thousand so far. And it, it's kind of like this this entire hurricane and the event. No one even knows what happened because of everything going on in Gaza, unfortunately. But I was hoping that it, possibly a lot of people even outside of our circles would hear about it and donate. And there could be millions of dollars. And if there is, and, and there still could be, by the way, if, if people start to realize what's happening there, uh, then we can actually start to help them rebuild, uh, like serious, like with like homes and stuff, right? So that was the intention, original goal. But for now, at least we've raised the funds to help them get back on their feet, uh, and then we'll just go from there. Uh, now, immediate, immediate, immediate when it matters. You know that you know it's a you know a day late and dollar short doesn't do you any good. I mean it's you know this was immediate. And the one thing, Jeff, I knew you, your heart was into it when you um, uh, were online talking about what you had done to try and get people to take this seriously and to leave. You know to prepare themselves. And you know, and I it's too often a lot of us in this space that uh, we feel that. You know, you're just never listened to, but it does build up credibility for when it happens. You go, look, here it comes again. So the next time, maybe 
they'll take it a, a little bit more serious, but it just adds to your credibility and a lot of us that warn of this. And I just want to reiterate, we need to get ready because, you know, Hurricane Otis is going to be hitting everybody financially. It's going to be a supply chain, a food thing. It's going to be, you know, they, them, those don't want you to be doing what you want to do and they'll kill you for it. You know, it's I, I just really now I feel like I'm in a race is why Donna and I are back in the desert and we're getting ready for the next whatever, because there's going to be a next whatever. And it's going to be bad. And what we've got from Anarchapoco and the speakers there and the opportunity to help, we've learned We've made a lot of relationships. We have a lot of friends. And what did we do with that? We took it and helped other people when they needed it. And Jeff took advantage of that and did it. Thank you, Jeff. This is it's very inspiring. As bad as this is, and I know that you lack of sleep and you were very worried about it. You did everything you could. You're working. You're like, damn it. So now, all right, fine. Now we got to help save them. Damn it. You know, that. You know, they could have you know been prepared, better prepared, or where. But it's a great opportunity, a great cause, great people. I'm very happy to endorse and help. You know, let me know what else we can do, and we'll see. We we're planning on you know being in the middle of building in February, and you know, maybe I'll make it down. We'll see. You know, but I'm just like, dang it! I was going, I was going to miss this year because we're getting ready and building on the desert, and it's not hot here. You know, there in that time. So I want to take advantage of that. <laughs> but certainly the following year, or if you need some skills, you know, we have a lot of the building methods that we're going to be doing is probably what they're going to do, or they could use some domes or whatever. I've, when Danny has gone down, I offered him three domes for the earthquake stuff. You know, but it was just the transportation getting them down. But what they need is to have a manufacturer or somebody knows how to whatever. But I tell you, the Mexican people, they've been knowing how to do masonry. They got to take care of, and that's kind of what they need. So maybe it's just everybody sends down some Portland cement on a barge. You do that, you're done. You know. So thanks for coming on and explaining this to us. Any final words for everybody before we let you go? Uh, not really. Just uh, HurricaneOtisRecovery.com. We can use all the help we can get. And thank you, Ernie. As always, you're always there to help spread the word and get this information out. And uh, I, I hope you can make it down in February because, uh, as I said, this might if we do it, it might be one of the most uh, amazing events we've ever done. No doubt. No doubt. We'll get, you know, Kat, oh, maybe she convinced me. We'll see. But the thing is, is that I, you know, I, I really encourage people to go. This would be a great year, a great example a great opportunity for people to go to a Narcopoco. Because I guarantee you they're going to make it nice for everybody. But the surrounding area, you get to spread to love the love to people that appreciate you being there. Appreciate you being there. How often is that? Especially, you know, going to another country. But here, they appreciate you being there. Jeffrey, thank you very much for coming on. Good luck, and please keep us informed, and I'll have uh, reach out to Kat and get her on, have things kind of settle a little bit, and get into the promotion in Arcapoco, and we'll pep that too. Okay. Thank you, Ernie. All right. Peace, brother. Bye. Peace. Peace, guys. Don't stop that was a very inspiring interview with Jeff Berwick and Danny Sessom about HurricaneOtisRecovery.com. What we're doing in the next hour, we interviewed 
many students, six, seven students from around the world, part of Project Arizona here in Arizona that I do every year. Well, we're going to finish up with an interview I did with a woman from Venezuela talking about Javier Millet, the anarchist that may win president here in just a couple of weeks. Pay attention. I feel good. Hey, you are going to love the movie Victimless Crime Spree. It's hilarious, heartwarming, and carries a ton of inspiring freedom messages. Feeling down about the lack of liberty in your life? You need to put on this film with some friends and have a good laugh. It's a true story about me and my friends in New Hampshire living free, singing, dancing, and getting arrested. Of course, it's all on video, and the bad guys, the cops, judges, bailiffs, and sheriffs, they all play their part like it's out of a movie or something. You would think we scripted the whole thing, but it's real life. Go ahead and have a watch, and if it's been a while, have another look. I guarantee you'll notice things now that you didn't notice before. And the best part is that you're going to walk away feeling a renewed sense of your own power. You are the master of your destiny, and you will be free in your lifetime. Victimless Crime Spree. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Tonight, let us make them remember. We are not Declare your independence with me, Ernest Hancock. Coming, we're back in Phoenix, Arizona, IA. And what we've got a very special guest for you guys today, Yasik Spendel, director of Project Arizona. Now, Project Arizona is uh, an international representation of young liberty supporters, fighters, advocates around the world. Now, we're going to be talking today with people from Poland, Georgia. Argentina, Spain, India, Japan. Oh, I mean, you know, and the the gentleman that's heading this up, Yasek Spendel, is a good friend, and he was one of the students years ago. And a lot of you guys have been longtime listeners know that every year in the the fall, beginning of winter, we have a lot of the young men and women come on the show and represent. And you know, there's so much going on around the world. We want to make sure we get their perspective because it you know it gives the perspective of how they see us maybe we might share how we see them and do we have a lot in common well there's a lot of great headlines and news going on we want to make sure we talk about but first Yasik. hello Yasik. 
Hello, Ernie. Hello, Donna. It's a pleasure to be back at your show. Love it. Uh, and it's great to be back in Phoenix, Arizona, especially now in late fall. Well, it's it's quite cold at home in Poland, and it's beautiful here in Phoenix. You know, we just left the cold. It started getting cold. Ah, time to go to Arizona. You know, so we're back. You know, um, uh, your wife now has, you guys got two children. I remember you guys were separate and single and unmarried and students and everything, and then it's like, Yep, now we're doing Project Arizona. You come back every year. You spend at least a few months here. How long do you stay in Arizona when you come back from Poland? Actually, we changed a bit Project Arizona in terms of length, and we remodeled it a bit. So um, in the past, Project Arizona was three-month-long project, which uh, were the, 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 the thing that took the most uh, time for students were internships. So it's mostly internship plus some, you know, events in the late afternoon, in the evenings, some classes at ASU, some networking meetings. Now it is shorter, six weeks uh, project, but uh, there is much more education, and we have our own faculty now. We are we are actually setting the agenda on what is being taught, and we are renting hall at the Irish Cultural Center and the McClellan Library, that is Central Phoenix, beautiful place. And we still have networking, uh, a lot of networking meetings. We have some volunteering. We have some touristic trips. We have some shooting. Of course, this is Arizona. We we, we have the essence of what what Southwestern freedom is all about, right? So so freedom content, beautiful sites. um, So you're not doing employment internships anymore? No, we're not doing internships anymore. We uh, made it shorter, but more into networking and education. And no more uh, internships. Well, you just came this morning as you guys pulled up. You had been taking a class that you do every week yes. with Clint Bullock, which is um, he is a Supreme Court justice and libertarian. Yes. You know, how'd that happen? You know, that that's a whole other story to tell you about it, you, you ladies, later. But the um, Arizona really is a libertarian representation for the world but also for America. People come here from Chicago, and they're, like, blown away, you know, of all the things that you can do. But for the young people from around the world, they come here and they go, what are you complaining about? Oh, we don't want to be like y'all back there. That's what we want. Make sure this doesn't happen. So later we'll be talking to some of you from all over the world that's got stories. Well, Jacek, your story from Poland, when you first came here, one of the big things, it's always a big thing, is the gun thing. It's such a thing with everybody. You know, for us, it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, there's guns laying around all over, and uh, you just got to be safe with children and so on. But it's not on front of our cortex all the time. But for people that come from around the country, it is. They want to go shooting. They want to have an experience. They want to go bang, bang, bang. Why is that? You know, it's very, very different here versus most of the world. Even if you're on the streets of Phoenix and you see these big billboards um, about another gun show or you see billboards with lawyers advocating that they will defend you when you have problem with DUI or something like that. We don't have that. For example, in Poland, a lawyer cannot advertise, uh, not mentioning um, gun rights. Like Poland is one of these countries where gun ownership is very limited. Um, and if you are a law-abiding citizen and you want to have a gun just to protect you and your family, your property and your family, not enough. 
you need to prove that there is a danger. So bad things already need to start happening in yeah, your life. Yeah, there's a government. Yeah, and the and the, the procedures they are not um, they are not rational. Usually, it it depends on the guy in the government or in police, which is still government, to approve this based on his or her will. So this situation here in Arizona, where uh, the vast majority of of people, adults, who have no you know psycho issues or they were not in prison, can have guns and they can freely. Uh, use these guns, go to shooting range, or or even to the desert, and shoot, you know, some but objects. Why? This why do essential. the people, you guys, when you come, why is that such? When it's been beaten out of you, you know, no, you're not allowed. It's a you know PR, make you afraid. Yeah. You shouldn't do it. Oh, guns! I'm so afraid. But when they come here, you know. I'll, they want to. Why do they want to? What are they looking for? No, it's to some degree, it's this forbidden fruit. Uh, it's something that we cannot enjoy, we cannot use in our countries, unless you have this one of the situations. Do you feel that, that you're vulnerable because you don't have that access? Yes, you know. And in case of Poland, I come from Poland. It's not just the question of personal freedom, which is a very important issue, but it's also a question of defense. I believe that this is more important than being part of NATO uh, to right. have gun at home. And when the Russian soldat uh, will come and knock our doors, then you, we can properly respond to them. We cannot at the moment. We are vulnerable, as you said. We raise our hands and the Russian is doing his job. Uh, so it's, it's a question of defense. As much as the question of uh, individual freedom, so it matters in all different aspects. You know that is very interesting. That you know it's more important for the people to be armed than be part of NATO. It's going to take care of you. We're from the government. We're going to save you. You know, as they start a third world war. You know, there's going to be a third world war. I think I want to have some firearms. Just, just saying. You know, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm just thinking that that might be a, a prudent thing. Now, for um, there's a couple of ladies sitting in here. One's from Argentina and one's from India. You know, and they may have a totally different perspective yeah. on this. And we'll, we'll get into that. Very you know, proud of these ladies. They are my students at Project Arizona. How and, did you select mm-hmm. this? I mean, every year, go ahead and explain to the audience the selection process by which you know what. You know, trial by ordeal or, you know, mountain they got to climb. So you want to know how sausage is being made. Right, right, right. 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 Joking. No, no, no. Of course I can reveal most of it. Um, Well, we do have a website. Uh, It's projectarizona.us. Please check it out. Uh, If you like what we do, make sure to check the donate button as well. Um, Well, at projectarizona.us, there is a form, uh, which is a registration form, basically, where... Anyone can fill it up. We ask some basic questions. Uh, we not just you know your name and your telephone number, but also um, about interest in freedom. We want to learn if if the, this person who wants to come here to Arizona is actually interested, understanding what is freedom all about. If this person is doing anything for freedom in his or her own country, because that's something we want to see. This is a project for young liberty activists, for people who already dedicate their life, their young life, for freedom. It can be activism in Students for Liberty, 
or Ladies of Liberty Alliance. It could be, you know, libertarian or classical liberal political party. It can be entrepreneurship as well, which is a form of, of, of freedom activism as well. But I don't want lazy people who don't do nothing, right? Now a lot of young people, they don't know what they want from life. They don't, know, they don't have any passion, etc., etc. I feel sorry about them, but these are not the people we want to, uh, we want to come here. So they send these applications. Then we do Skype interviews. We check English language as, uh, as well that way. If they, if they, you know, understand what I talk to them and if they can speak English, um, and uh, at the and the last stage, they actually do a fundraising campaign. They raise some funds for their own goal, which is um, to come to Arizona because we do have some scholarship fund for them from Liberty International. By the way, Project Arizona is a Liberty International uh, project. Liberty International is. Uh, global organization based in the U.S., 501c3. I'm, I have an honor to be president of Liberty International since 2019. And uh, we do dedicate some funds for them, but they also need to raise some money. Well, they can pay from their pocket if they... Well, how much are, are we talking? You know, you got to get to America. Yeah. You know, you're, you're getting fed. You know, you're doing... I mean, how much, how much is the tuition to come here? So the, the tuition fee is $5,000 for six weeks uh, of stay in Phoenix, Arizona. But Liberty International, thanks to its generous donors, of course, we don't take any public funds, which is funds from robbery. Um, we offer up to 2.5 thousand in scholarship and uh, the, the, the other half they can raise um, in a matching scheme, dollar to dollar. So um, most of them did go through this uh, How do they know game. you have, I know Glenn Cripe that started Language of Liberty. Yep. As uh, you know, a good friend, and we've had him on. Very good friend. And he now lives in Italy. Italy and Spain. He's sharing his time, dividing his time between. Those yeah, but he countries. said Italy, so he must like Italy. Better. He has Italian uh, residence <laughs> card. <laughs> but um, you know, his story is interesting. You know how this started. But uh, you were one of the early guys. Were you the first year, second year? You know that Glenn was doing language liberty. Yes, I was actually f uh, attending first ever Liberty Camp done by LLI, by Glenn Kripe and Andy Eichen. 2007 in Slovakia, I came and I got infected with this virus of freedom. And then we did several, over dozen camps together. When I was a co-organizer, I recruited students. Most of these camps were in Poland, but then we started experimenting with other countries. We did Italy, we did Malta, Greece, and a few other countries. Yeah, I think you guys were in Africa one time, too. Yeah, but some of these camps far away, I was not involved in them. Glenn was. Glenn was uh, everywhere. He was hey, in Mozambique, even. So let's go ahead and talk before you got to go. How long? You got to go here. Yeah, in a few minutes. Yeah, you know, so I want to make sure I get this in. Yep. Um, how do these young ladies and gentlemen in here, how do they even know about you? Is it by reputation? Go through the schools? Is it online? Mm -hmm. You send up a balloon? I mean, how, how, how do they know? Okay, depends on the person. Uh, two of them, um, and Maria sitting next to me is, is one of these two people, uh, met me at the w Liberty International World Conference, which Liberty International puts together every year in a different country. Next year, Liberty Love Bus should come to Dallas, Texas, by the way, November 2024. We need Love Bus in Texas. Um, we do it every year in our country. This year it was in Madrid, Spain. And I met Maria. And I met uh, Juan Carlos, who is a young gentleman who will come to Love Bus later. And um, I told them about Project Arizona. I didn't promise them anything because there is a 
procedure. But they applied and they made it. Uh, Rida, she learned about Liberty International through SFL, Students for Liberty. And, well, she's at the moment, uh, right now, she's working uh, with Liberty International in, in training outreach department. So it was natural that she knows what we are doing, right? And, and she applied. A uh, few other people. Uh, Irakli is a guy who did Project Arizona online, 2021. Because of COVID restrictions, we couldn't travel to U.S. back then. Mm. He did PA21 online, and he was in top three. The guys who were in top three, we promised Project Arizona in person. So finally, after all these COVID crazy years, he got the visa and he can make it. Um, Hikaru from Japan, he learned through SFL, Students for Liberty. So I mentioned this name a few times, Students for Liberty, because I need to admit that this is the network of pro-liberty students that does a great job promoting liberty, but also helping us to spread the word about Project Arizona. This is, um, in fact, it was such a good idea when Glenn... Was doing the reason they called it language of liberty is because a lot of the rhetoric, you know, John Locke, a lot of the writings, the founders of America, all that is in English, so they call it language of liberty. Well, what happened, you go to Europe, a lot of these we were all excited for a lot of the students because we translate Freedom's Phoenix in like 39 languages, and they go, uh. We speak English, dummy. <laughs> you know, that's our second language. That's that's Google Translate caveman talk. You know, we, we, we just speak English. And I'm going, well, there's that. You know, I, I, did I tell you more, that. Ernie. I, in Poland, where I live, I spend most, um, 10 months out, out of the year in Poland. We often invite speakers from around the world. And we know more or organize any translation. They speak in English, and the audience understands. This is really cool, and it also saves money, right? You don't need to pay for all these expensive translating services. So you find a 23-year-old in Poland off the street. What's the likelihood that he speaks decent English? 70%. Really? So language of liberty is English. You know, all right. Well, in India, yeah, of course, you guys speak English, so that doesn't yeah. hurt. You know, Venezuela, you're in the Western Hemisphere, so it's Spanish or English or Portuguese. I mean, it's... Argentina. Now, well, well, what did I say? You said Venezuela. Okay, I meant Argentina. You know, where Javier Millet is. You know, we're going to talk about that. We're going to get some interesting conversations on that. Anything else you want to, you know, share about Project Arizona this year? Because it yes. is a little bit different. You're not doing the internship thing, yeah. you know, which is like work. So you're going, yeah, hey, I don't have to work. That's, that's good, you know. But you get to go to a lot. Like you just came from the Arizona Supreme Court where Clint Bollock, you know, a friend of ours, is a Supreme Court justice, and he's giving you classes on what? What's he talking about? Uh, it's constitutional analysis of, uh, first of all, they learn about the most important elements of U.S. Constitution and how it, what, are, what is the impact of the U.S. Constitution in today's America. So that is great. And what I want to say, maybe one of the last things before I need to go, is that Phoenix and Arizona is a special place uh, to liberty, but also to me. I believe that this is still one of the freest places around, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And it has this special network of pro-liberty, fantastic, fr super friendly people that, be, that are also my friends. People like you, Ernie and Donna. People like Clint Bollock, Alan Corwin. People like um, Steve Slavinsky. 
uh, any, uh, you know, the leadership of Goldwater Institute, um, and many, many more, uh, who, we, without whom, freedom would not be defended in Arizona. I often say that perhaps there are states where there is more economic freedom, maybe North Dakota, maybe something like that, uh, Montana, but they, they have it much easier because there are not m many, you know, welfare status in those, those states. Here in Arizona, because it's such an attractive state with Grand Canyon, beautiful sights, great weather, lots of people hostile to liberty are coming here. And the, the, the ideas of liberty, economic and individual, they need strong defense and actually maybe even offense, uh, that, which also happens um, because there's a lot of victories like school choice, etc., uh, but that doesn't happen itself. It needs a, a vast, strong network of individuals, institutions who are convinced in this idea. Some of them call themselves libertarian. Some of them call themselves conservative. Some of them just say we are pro-liberty or we are for freedom. I don't care about these isms. I care about freedom. And I see that this um, strong network does a great, good job. And I and I'm passionate about it. I came here first time. So many years ago, I interned at Goldwater in 2011, and I could feel this uh, atmosphere in the air, and I met all these beautiful, wonderful people. Many of them are now donors, let's admit this. They, they donate their money, hard work, earned money, to, to Project Arizona. It doesn't run uh, out of air, right? It costs, some f costs money. Uh, these people are the, the true soil of, of, of Arizona, and... Thanks to them, this state is still a bastion of freedom. So Project Arizona is that place where you would, the young leaders come here and they absorb this like a sponge. They get passionate. They get inspired. Without inspiration, you cannot do anything, um, any, anything well. You need passion to work hard towards something. Otherwise, it's just a boring work. And people will, bored people will not defend liberty. They need to be like you, Ernie. They need to breathe with liberty. They need to have it in their hearts. And uh, I, want the, I want my students to come here and absorb freedom. So when they go back home, their batteries will be fully charged with the, 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 the spirit of freedom. And Arizona can do this. It has a lot of freedom energy that we need people to absorb so that, uh, you know, in faraway Argentina or faraway India, we can advance freedom. And with this, I will slowly need to go <laughs> to my kids. But I will, I'm leaving you, Ernie and Donna, with amazing young uh, freedom lovers, my students. And I'm sure it's going to be a great show today. Yeah, no, this is, this is awesome. We're going to go you. ahead and segment these up, cut these. I'll go ahead and leave the stream running, guys. Uh, but what we're going to do is, uh, you know, stop the recording, start over, because I want to edit them as separate ones for them to be able to make use of, and then we could put, drop them in the segments on the network. So this is going to be an interesting day. We're going to be here a while, but we're going to break it up into separate interviews. Yasik Spendel, director of ProjectArizona.us. ProjectArizona.us. So this is something that you can support, you can contribute to, and if you could spark, you know, another project, North Dakota. I mean, you know, whatever. It's getting people, young entrepreneurs, young liberty activists from all over the world that want to just not be alone. You know, like you got some of these guys from, from Japan 
not a whole lot of people he talks to, you know what I mean? You know, so he had a really good time. Dr. Frank speaks Japanese. He got his medical degree in Japan, so that was awesome for him. You know, they get to speak, hey, somebody spoke Japanese, all right. So he does pretty good on English. Yasek Spendel, thank you very much. Next up, thank we're going to get Maria, listeners. Maria Lobo Murga from Argentina. We're going to get her coming right up. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember... I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not Coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, it's no, it no, it's not even November yet. It's October thirtieth, twenty twenty-three. With Halloween and grandkids tomorrow. Now, what we're going to be doing? Uh, we're having uh, separate interviews with a lot of people that are here visiting, interning, um, uh, having their own education expanded on liberty with Project Arizona. Project Arizona. Now, there are people from Poland, Georgia, Argentina, Spain, India, Japan. I mean, this is a wide range. We do this every year, talk to the young people, young men and women. Now, they usually range, you know, from some teenagers, you know, get 19 in there every now and then. Usually the average in their mid-20s. Sometimes you get up in, you know, uh, a little more experience, you know, their early 30s. But they're young. And they have a future. And they want to share. Well, our next guest, Maria Lobo Murga. Am, am I saying that right? Yes, yes, it's right. Okay. Hello, Ernie. Th- thank you. Go ahead and put it right in front of your mouth. Right? Okay. There you go. There, you go. there, there we go. go. Okay. Now, Maria is from Argentina. Now, one of the things that got us excited, even before we got back to Arizona, we knew we were always getting a chance to talk to him. And I'm going, oh, oh, Argentina. Right when, you know, this Javier Millet is up there yelling and screaming and so on. To get the back, the one thing that was of interest to me, there's always Latin America um, uh, radical candidates coming out and they always get shot, you know. They, wow. they come up and they get a lot of following and support and, and they're dead. You know what I mean? You know, they just, they make sure that, that they don't want that to happen. Now, Millet has survived that maybe because he's crazy. You know, he's out there being all... Uh, in their face. But what was interesting to me is how he was portrayed on the uh, in the mainstream media here, the Wall Street Journal or Washington Post. I think it was Wall Street Journal. The first thing they say, oh, the guy, he's got like crazy Trump hair. Yes. I'm going, really? That's it? That's- no, they say that. 
I know. I was going, <laughs> that's all. I'm worried about somebody's hair. You know, yeah. somebody's skin color, somebody's race, somebody's language, somebody's religion. I mean, it's always something. Who cares? But I am very interested in to have a candidate that wins his party primary, comes in, comes in second, forces a runoff that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. I mean, yes. you know, pretty soon. So he could very well be president of Argentina if they let him. I, I don't know how that's going to happen. But Maria's going to tell us about it. I asked her at an event that we got to meet a little bit, discussion group. And I'm going, all right, how did this happen? So go ahead and elaborate on that. Yep, she knew. So I'm going to go ahead and elaborate, tell the audience how the heck did a you know rock band economist, <laughs> yes, rock and roll right. anarchist up there showing the half gold and black anarchist flag, explaining, calling bureaucrats everything but human. I mean, it was it's amazing. Yes. So how did that happen? Okay. First of all, the next elections are uh, on November the nineteenth. So you you have to to see what happening there. Um, okay, Millet is an economist, as you said. He is a free market economy. He's uh, he started his career like a public person, talking in in YouTube in some media. He started going to the television, and mostly he started talking to young people. That As he, a candidate or before? No, being? before. Before he was a politician. So he started uh, talking to the young people that he was not agree with the state, with the government running, with the politics that were going through in that moment. So he started shouting, as you said, uh, about free market economic and liberalism and what uh, and many stuff that young people didn't know about it because we have another type of education in our schools. And I think young people uh, translate that to their homes and give the message. It was that uh, the most important thing that, that he does. And many young people now starting to think about uh, entrepreneurship, uh, about business, about not living from the state. And that was the main point he was telling the people. And I think that's uh, the most exciting thing that he has. Okay, why was that in a socialist country? Yes. I would say socialist. Yes. You know, um it didn't used to be. I mean, back yeah. in the day, I mean, you know, Buenos Aires was beautiful. I, yes. You know, Argentina had a thing going on, which is why all the Germans wanted to go there. Yes, you know, yes, yeah, we're, we're going, right. We're going to Argentina. But the um, why was it popular amongst the youth? Because here, they're all, oh, no, we've got to be socialists. We're not, so, we're not socialists enough. Yes. Capitalism bad. Okay. is bad. So they're being rebel for that. But in Argentina, the yeah. youth are like, Man, the oh. status quo, the socialism sucks. Yeah, you know, we need. So why? Because they're experienced, and they get exposed I, to I, it some other way, or Malay, you know, just injected it. I, I think. I think it's a simple math question. Uh, you have a lot of poverty, many people living from the state, a lot of inflation. We have a huge inflation every year. Uh, this year, it's around one hundred and twenty inflation. 
uh, in this 2023. And when people uh, is not still living as they were, they start thinking about the what's happening in the country. Before, they they seem to be very accustomed to this type of government and uh, the huge government that was solving all their problems. But the last few years, we have uh, this huge poverty, uh, like uh, 40%, around uh, 40%, and this huge inflation. So people is getting poorer and they start thinking what's happening here. And I think there are many economists that start speaking after Millet and, and uh, in, in, at the same time and telling people that they have to open their eyes and see that the state is uh, spending too much of their money and they are um, asking for so much taxes and that's the reason we have a huge inflation now. Well, they understand it. I mean, is it being they didn't? They're not getting it in school. That's I mean, it. That's how do, how do you even know? Okay. You go. I'm a. I'm Maria. I have, I'm an economist. I know what's up. Yes. Yeah. How? Yes. Why? I think the Millet uh, was one of the um, was more important. Was very important for for this thing because um, young people didn't um, want to to know about economy but when they are thinking about their future their future and then uh, someone come and and tell them you gotta have a better future than your father than your parents um, that makes them think about it and Millet have a very huge work in this stuff so what, young people, what, what, I mean, he, he's in a rock band. Was yeah. he out doing? He's doing economic math on the he whiteboard on stage. What <laughs> he was shouting? I don't know. I think that um, there was um, people was were uh, people needed something like this. Um, I know that that the people were um, not. Not good, so they started to think about what what will happen to us. It happened something similar here that one person comes in and tell me, "Oh, we have a huge inflation here in the the United States, yeah. and now we we go to the supermarket and there are some stuff that we can that we can't uh, buy. What is going to happen with us?" And I think that when people is uh, not, not feeling comfortable with the situation, they must start uh, thinking about other alternatives. And in that situation, uh, Millet came and started with a huge movement of liberty in Argentina. Okay, now were you liberty-oriented, uh, capitalist-oriented, uh, whatever's going on is not working before Millet? I mean, you know, th- th- yes. th- did he... Courage, or did you jump on it? And was your first response, he's not doing it right. He's a little <laughs> too crazy. I can't believe you need to, you know, my, my, my mother in law is not going to invite him over for Christmas. I mean, you know, you see my point? It was, yes. you know, but just like people are so um, polarized against Trump yes. because he's just, 
you don't want to take them to a party. I mean, you know, he's yes, just so, ew. That's right. You know, so I got the impression you were like, man, if he would, you know, trim his hair and say it right and not cur- curse so much, it might be better. He, he's not doing it right. Okay, yes, yes. But um, there is one important point here that normally we think uh, only about the the person, the guy that is winning the election or the, the president or the, the person that is uh, in government and have the power. But I think that uh, he must be the president or not. Uh, there is a lot of people changing their minds. And that is the huge point in here that we have to pay attention. That Argentina and other countries in Latin America are, are thinking different. Are trying to solve their problem and not looking only for the government as they used to to do before. And that's the most important that thing is the win. here. Yes. That is the win yeah. right there. Now, yes. were you that's surprised right. he did as well as he did in the primary, that he came in a very close second? That did, was amazing. <laughs> did it surprise you? Yes, yes. The primary, we, n- uh, no one expected that. No one, uh, not, uh, not consult, uh, consultancy business. Nobody knows about what was happening in the primary, and they didn't expect these results. Okay, uh, did they, uh, were they surprised by him yes. almost winning? I mean, he's in the top two going for Presidente yes. of Argentina. I yes. mean, you know, so uh, is that a surprise? Yes, yes, yes. Why? Because Why? <laughs> they, they won't let him? You think there's going to be election fraud? You think they're just going to shoot him? You think there's just no <laughs> way in heck is he going to be allowed to be president? I mean, do you have that feeling? We we didn't think, we didn't expect so much people was going to support him. We we think that people was uh, like uh, saying, oh, this fantastic guy that tell us about economy, but supporting with his vote, it was much uh, too much for us. And it it was fantastic, sir. Well, what do you think the sentiment is now? You had right before the election, the guy that represents the establishment there um, edged him out by a few percentage points or whatever. You have to get 45% in order to be elected. You don't have to get a majority, but you have to at least get 45%. Well, they didn't. Nobody did. So now it's a top two. They're going to the election. Well, right before the election, for this guy to kind of edge him out a little bit, he gave, he did, he reduced taxes, he gave out free bus passes, and, you know, uh, gave him extra sprinkles on their ice cream cone or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, he was really, really yes. pushing it. Yeah. So he kind of edges out a little bit. Are they going to keep doing that kind of stuff? What do you think? Are they going to have election fraud? Are they going to allow Millet to win? Is that even possible? I don't think now it's a problem of the government, but it's uh, something only about the people. What people is uh, thinking now about having uh, such a person, such a, uh, uh, about having a person such as Millet as president. I don't know if so much people is going to trust on him and to um, support him in this uh, next elections. I hope so, because I... I but he's I already hope. won. It's already done. Yes, he's yes. He's already infected. The it's, more, it's over. The, 
Yes, the most important uh, here is that many people have been supporting him in the last election. So uh, I am proud about my my country and what is happening now. I don't know if it will change in these elections, but it is something that has started. So I, I think in the next years it, it will be increasing so much. Okay, so it's a validation. You will end on this because... It's a validation of you taking these positions. Yes. I mean, you know, you you probably have friends, family, neighbors, you know, uh, associates, uh, yes. fellow peers, schoolmates, whatever. They're like, Maria, you're just crazy. You're you're dumb. You're doing it wrong. And then this happens, and you're going, yes. walk, 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 <laughs> You know, a little bit of, you know, taking yes. a victory lap here. But what's your plan for the future? Sooner or later, he's going to. Be in there, be gone, be dead, be whatever. But are you going to be part of the the advancement of this ideology in Argentina? Yes, for sure. That there is there are two things that I am running now. That uh, first of all, I run as a legislator in my parliament. The the next the uh, we have elections in my state on June, so I am involved on politics. And I am um, trying to be that free market, most um, teaching education, uh, being being part of the change. Um, and I am not only doing that in Argentina, but in Latin America with some other foundations. We have told you about Student for Liberty or FEE, that is Foundation for Economic Education here in the United States. And I have been um, speaker in the World Conference in Madrid. So I think that that will be my path, uh, telling people that free market is and um, individual freedom is what we have to to share as communities, as, or, as all the society to to be better. Well, how do you, I mean, is there, is there a job for Maria Waiton as an economist, activist? You know, you're just going to slide right into the cabinet. You're going to be Malay's, uh, you know, press secretary or something. <laughs> I mean, you know, so I, I would think that in a minority, yes, you're definitely in a minority yes. being a capitalist or an anarcho-capitalist or an anarchist or a none your businessist or something. Yes. You know, that is that shunned. They don't want to hire you. Oh. They don't need you doing it. I mean, so, is it your major? Is that what you're going to be? an economist in Argentina. That is what you want to do. Uh, not really. I am uh, focusing on Latin America, mostly. Uh, I like international relationships, so I like spreading the message in all over the Latin American world. Um, and I don't know what's happening if Millet wins. I really don't know. I haven't think about it working with, with them, but uh, I mostly... Hope the um, now they they are uh, with Macri and the pro party. I am most with them, and uh, we are sharing ideas and we are supporting Malay. So uh, it may happen, but it, it is not what I'm thinking about. Uh, I don't think the state has to be huge. I think the state has to be. Uh, we have to to have a little state so 
for me, it is important to spread the message, to educate people, and to give the the younger almost uh, the um, this message so they can um, have their own. They can be inspired. Yes, to... yes, and have their own individual freedom since they are child. Not, not. Um, there, there is a huge problem in in Latin America with this thinking. So we have to spread the so message. You're thinking, uh, that is the most important thing. Latin America, you know, take the successes of Argentina. You're going to spread it. Yes. They're, we're going. Oh, we're going to do it. And that's. And I'm wondering, you know, as uh, a mother. You know, as an entrepreneur, yes. You know, as a you know CEO of a whatever of selling you know the best paper plates ever. Yes. I mean, you know something. You know, see, I, I, I'm I'm looking what you're thinking that's going to sustain you. Do you, you yes. want to like uh, have a think tank? You know, have funding yes. going. You you want to see Latin America rock and roll? Talk to yes. Maria. We're going to take care of business. Yes. You know, <laughs> so that's kind of what you're you're kind of locked into this advocacy. Yes, yes, that that's right. That that is what I what I'm trying to do, and I think I, I have been doing a little bit of that. So I am happy about it. Well, I'm really happy that you're happy. I you know <laughs> this is it was it was. We've been covering this because we're a new site and we cover that. And I'm going, ooh, I see where this is going. And you always knew eventually it was going to be time. Yes. That people were just going to, I mean, after Argentina goes through this cycle of hyperinflation about every freaking decade. And at some point, there's going to be an abandonment of this. Yes. And the ideology of socialism as it's just been retry and re oh you did it wrong we're going to do it right now you know around the world that your generation represents an abandonment and an understanding and an education that they're getting in real time to see that's not the choice we need to do yes. something else and the fact that you're there to help navigate that for them that's you know, for sure that yes. that is definitely a needed thing yeah you know, so i'm so glad you're <laughs> thank doing you. it thank, thank you, you so very much. much give me you know if there's a web page or a project that you want to uh, promote of what you're doing in Argentina, you know, uh, please take the yes. time now to do it. Okay, okay. I have uh, my Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, and my Facebook and all that with my name, Maria Lobo Murga. And oh, I... yeah, we all know how to spell that. Okay. All right. Maria, M-A-R-I-A, Lobo, well, that's how I say it. L-O. <laughs> L-O-B-O, Murga, M-U-R-G-A, Maria Lobo Murga, and uh, from Argentina. Yes. So I just, yeah. You can and, join me in many, many social networks, and I, I am doing my webpage. So we, we would have it, um, I think, in next month. So, And I want to, uh, every people that knows that it, this is the best idea to have free market, don't shout your mouth and start speaking about it because many people uh, can be inspired of people here in the United States and I think now it's time to share our values not not to be where shy Where did you get these values? Before you go I always ask you know where this came from your mom No you know, not exactly <laughs> What I mean from where A cartoon um, you saw I mean what something well, I I don't know the place but I am like a free individual since I was born I uh, I am free. I am free. I am a free soul. So I 
I cannot even imagine uh, the state or the government not letting me be free. And I have been uh, a lot of poverty and a lot of people that doesn't know all these things and they do not have this education. So uh, it um, made me try, try to, to spread the message. Make sure they understand why they're yes, poor. Yes, Let me yes. Let tell you why you're That's poor. Right. Yeah, That's I, right. That's right. Because you pay, you, you pay so much taxes that uh, you cannot even, even have your money in your pocket. So you have, you have to vote differently. At some point, you get Maria's. Well, we got more people coming up. Next, we're going to talk to Rita. This is going to be an interesting day. You guys hang out right there. We'll be right back. Thank you so much. An interesting conversation with an exchange student from Venezuela, was it not? We also have on Declare Your Independence with ErnestHancock.com. You'll see the all the interviews that we did. We did, God, I think, like seven. And they were from Spain and Japan and Argentina, Poland, Georgia, uh, India, you know, lots of great shows and a lot to learn from around the world. You can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. PorcupineRealEstate.com